1: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Blog Talk
3: Radio. Hi. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence with the pH. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the free agency edition of FinCider Radio. My name is Keith. I'll be your host until 9.30 p.m. Eastern. We have a great show planned for you. Plenty to talk about, obviously. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll check in with Bleacher Report, Dolphins' feature columnist, Ian Wharton, to talk Dolphins free agency, the move to swap first-round picks with Philadelphia, which uh, became official yesterday, and the prospects Miami could target at number 13 overall as a result because that's the draft pick they now have. We'll get more into that. Uh after we talk to Ian, we'll talk, we'll take your calls about free agency, the Eagles trade, the draft, uh the CAJ Anderson news that came out today. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, we're here. It's been a roller coaster week for Miami. Uh Dolphins Twitter has been a dumpster fire since Monday with the Byron Maxwell trade rumor. So uh we expect some interesting calls. So if you want to go ahead and uh let us know if you're happy, disappointed, or over the top raging about Dolphins free agency thus far, we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 347-326-9461. We'll bring you on air to chat. We'll do that. Um, we might take some calls. Well, we can start taking some calls uh, now within the first couple of minutes, and then uh, we're going to bring Ian on at uh, 830. We'll do that. And then afterward, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Matthew Kanata, who's got the latest And um, a very, very busy week and not a busy week. For the Dolphins, if you go by their their past records. So, uh, in the meantime, last but not least, uh, let me introduce you to my panel. Uh, Louis from Fin Lewis, Louis, how are you doing? I am okay. We had Max Himmelrich from FinCider in Deep End, Miami, on the phone. I don't know what's up with his connection. Uh, at some point, hopefully, he'll join us because uh, he's a very important part of the panel. I uh, also hoping to hear from Duke who is my uh, usual insider co-host on this show. So uh, I haven't heard from him in a while. I miss Duke. He's he uh, had that flu or cold or whatever in the hell's going on. Right now it's it, I feel like everyone but me in the state of Illinois has had whatever's going around right now and he had it and he's and I think he's without internet too, by the way. So, um, Yay. yeah, I know. So, uh, while we're waiting for, for Max to go ahead and jump in, I just had to, I just, uh, hung up on his call and hopefully he can go ahead and, uh, call back and he might've just be, he might just be going with the phone right now. Max, is that you? Yes, it is. Hey, yeah. I don't know what, what's going on. I feel partly responsible because I talked to you into the direct connection and now it's, it's a great big fail.
0: It is all good. No worries. How's it
3: going? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, I think some Dolphins fans can right now. So we'll go ahead and get into it. It's it's been an unusual free agency in that the previous three periods the Dolphins were in, 2013-2015, they were the big spenders to open up free agency. They opened up technically the legal tampering period this year with a big trade but it's been a different sort of dolphins negotiating period. I mean, they're they're sticking hard to all of the values that they have for these free agent guys and it's resulted in them, you know, not overpaying but also not bringing in or retaining some of the guys that the dolphins thought were going to go ahead and get to the roster uh this off season. And I'm not sure I well, I'm fairly certain the the move that disappointed the most people was Lamar Miller yesterday to the Houston Texans uh, took uh, less money than I thought he'd get. I think it was six and a half million uh, an average um, four year deal deal though, which is interesting because he's going to hit that his next contract, I think before he turns 30. So that I think that was the intent with him going for that four year deal over the five year deal. Uh, A lot of people not happy with the trade, go from eight to 13 in the process. Miami picks up Byron Maxwell, who uh, that drew a lot of ire this week from, from some people Uh, when Ian comes on, Ian was one of the the few people out there who was actually uh, in favor of it. I thought, which was cool. So hopefully he can uh, help uh, talk some people off the ledge. Kiko Alonso also involved in that deal. I want to ask you you guys though, um, before we get into the CJ Anderson news that came out today, How have you felt about free agency as a whole? Because you've got the football media pretty much beating up the Dolphins while praising the Giants and the fact that they just paid $11 billion to two players yesterday. Uh, Dolphins still taking a beating for apparently not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But how do you guys feel about free agency? Is it as bad as people think? Um, I don't. It is. Go ahead. It is
0: definitely not as bad as people think it is. Um, yesterday there were a few bleak moments. Um, The team was, based on who I've spoken with, very, very close to what they believed was signing Alex Boone. Um, There are conflicting reports out there about whether the Vikings slid in with more money at the last minute or if Adam Boone never planned on signing with the Dolphins and he was using the team as leverage. Either way, that was a disappointment for the team. They wanted to get the guard position wrapped up and settled and be able to move on. So that was a slight a slight you know curve for them but it's free agency that happens um the other curve the other curveball was Adam Jones who they also thought they were going to sign um Adam Jones was in Miami and decided instead of signing with the Miami Dolphins to return to the Cincinnati Bengals on a on his 3 year contract which is, you know, usually there's a preference for the players to stay where they are. You know, the situation might have been a little bit different for Pac-Man because of Vance Joseph's presence in Miami. But outside of those two moves, the situation was pretty good all around for the Dolphins. I mean, Donna Ponte, we'll talk about the C.J. Anderson situation later. Donna Ponte did a wonderful job putting that offer sheet together today. I mean, major credit to her. She catches a lot of blame for no reason. Because she is one of, if not the best person in the league at her job, because somehow the Dolphins have cap space every year. But it's it's actually not the worst situation imaginable. I mean, you look around at who's available. Still, you have players like Jeff Schwartz, and you have corners who you have some depth corners, but a lot of people think we can go there in the draft. And if we can if we can make sure that the Broncos don't match this offer sheet and take C.J. Anderson back. I think that it's a pretty solid period so far and it's it's solid because we didn't make too many big moves. It's not solid because, you know, we went out and we signed Pac-Man and Alice Boone and Vincent Ray and Georgie Ioloka and made a bunch of splashes. You know, the team's been quiet, eerily quiet.
3: Louis, what do you think?
4: Well, I'll admit that uh, yesterday I was pretty upset with what was going on. I mean, I'd been told that all these players were coming, and I got caught up in the free agency hype. It was like, oh, we're going to get Alex Moon. Oh, we're going to get Pac-Man Jones. Oh, and uh, people saying, I'll delete my Twitter if this guy doesn't sign. It's like, and, uh, well, okay, so this guy didn't sign and this guy didn't sign. Hey, man, didn't don't,
0: throw, and this guy don't didn't... throw shade at Neil. Don't throw shade at Neil <laughs> right now.
4: Hey, it wasn't I, – I mean I, – I'm not throwing shade I, like we
0: all heard we all heard the same thing it was it was a serious serious surprising breakdown of the talks I mean you know we were all on Twitter going back and forth me Neil and and Matt Kanada all about that we we had heard this common thread that Adams not... and No 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 I agree with you I'm just letting I'm just letting everybody else know we've talked about this I'm letting everybody else know how surprising it was that they didn't sign with me.
4: And I I, was, I wasn't throwing shade. I was just kind of set the stage for exactly how disappointed I was yesterday.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> throwing shade. So, <laughs> I, was like, number, I don't throw
4: shade. Sh- I don't do that unless it's like you know somebody with okay in their in their initials. <clears throat> but uh, anyway,
3: um, I see what you did there. So,
4: yeah, I see. We see that. Okay. So anyway, so I'd been I'd been convinced that all these guys were coming, and then when I see that this happens and this happens and this happens, well, I I was like, oh, terrific. So nobody wants to come to Miami. And I briefly had a weak moment where I figured, okay, Tannehill has to go because the only way they're going to come for not, for less than elite money is if there's an elite quarterback there because everybody wants to go play for a discount with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and all these people. So I – but then after after I cooled off, the day went by. I had some sleep. I, I tried to get some sleep. I got, I got a little rest. It, was, it had been a long day writing all this other stuff i had a moment to think about it and i just thought you know what this actually is not a bad thing olivier vernon went to the new york giants i believe it was five years 85 million dollars over 17 million annually and like okay good for you new york giants uh congratulations you win the offseason trophy now so anyway and um I mean, Lamar Miller went to Houston. That was probably the most disappointing thing of anything else other than, no, no, no other than that was the most disappointing thing that we lost, uh, Lamar Miller. Cause I liked Lamar. He was a nice guy. He was awesome. I liked him, but oh, well, no more Lamar Miller in Miami. And then Richard Matthews, did, um, Richard Matthews heads to Tennessee. It was actually a little bit of a relief that he didn't go to new England. So thank you Richard for turning down new England's offer and going to Tennessee instead. Cause now we don't have to deal with you twice a year. And, um, I got some time to think about it, and I thought, okay, this isn't a bad thing. And I wrote a column on it just today. I have posted it, and I seem to have gotten some – the, the intelligent people like it. I haven't gotten any negative feedback yet other than somebody who said that they don't like – they still don't like the actual trade that the Dolphins made, and I disagree with that point too. But I'll digress. We'll talk about that a little later. But essentially I wrote that this is already a change in um, philosophy – for what one would assume is a Mike Tannenbaum-led football team. Mike Tannenbaum's reputation all his career as a GM, as a whatever, has been that he's going to spend every ounce of every dollar, every penny that there is in that owner's pocket, every ounce of salary is going to go to someone. There will be nothing unused. Draft picks are garbage. They're not even important in the long term. They just – They're just there to supplement making trades and all that other stuff. That is the Mike Tannenbaum way of doing GM work when he was in New York. It seems now that the Dolphins as a whole have seemed to learn from their past mistakes They're not going absolutely crazy trying to sign everybody. They're not picking out all these insane numbers. And this probably led to a lot of free agents saying, never mind, I'm going to go this way. Because they're following the money. Can't begrudge them for that. They're going to follow their money because it's the NFL. And if you don't get your money then, you're never going to get it. So I personally am pretty good with what the Dolphins are doing so far after I had some time to think about it. They're not overspending. They're going to get their compensation picks. Mario Williams doesn't count towards compens- compensatory draft picks in 2017. Lamar Miller, since he got paid by the Texans pretty nicely, he's going to give us a compensatory pick. Maybe even Richard minimally, if, we, if we're if we careful. Maybe we'll even get something minimal for Rashard Matthews. So it seems that Miami is breeding 2016 not so much as a win-now year, which is actually the best approach to take with this right now and maybe it seems that they're getting ready to stock up for 2017 which if this is the case then i then i have reason to believe that miami has finally started to learn from their past mistakes and everybody needs to just kind of chill out that the fact that the dolphins are not signing everybody like if they didn't want them to do anyway so i don't know why they're complaining but then again it's dolphins twitter so you know
0: well well lewis i gotta say there's an in-between here you know there is There is a school of thought that, you know, they're going to go out and spend a bunch of money and it's going to be a win now situation. And then there's a school of thought that, you know, okay, we won't make signings and we'll just go into go into 2017 strong, like you said. But there is a middle ground where this team has finally had the light bulb turn on and say, oh, we don't need all of these big money free agents to win now. You know it's not necessarily a one or the other situation. I totally agree with what you're saying in every regard you know you're you're spot on about what Mike Tannenbaum did in New York. You're spot on about that, but i I don't believe, and I've spoken with people in the organization who have said this. Stephen Ross is not going to enter rebuilding mode.' He's not well maybe, it and it's not well, and maybe it's not they the won't
4: tell, maybe plan. they won't well, maybe they won't tell him they're rebuilding.
0: You know, he's a multi-billionaire hes you know, a multi real estate developer. He might not be a—he might not be Bill Belichick, but he's not an idiot. He's going
3: to know what's it going on to, with it that not It doesn't have to be a rebuild, though. Really, what, right, what exactly. we're seeing here exactly. is that you've he's got these... He's not the,
0: putting all of his chips in. He's not yeah, putting I mean, all of like his chips got, in, but they're not cutting Sue and Tannehill and going 2-14 and, sure, sure. and drafting, you know, and... Like drafting a quarterback first overall, you know that's not what we're doing. You know this isn't. You know this isn't Indianapolis. The year that Peyton Manning got hurt, this is right. this is an in-between measure, and that's all I'm saying. You know Stephen Ross, he knows what's going on. Stephen Ross and Tannebaum have a personal personal relationship. He's not, and Tannebaum knows he has job security. You know that's the one thing. You know we were calling for Jeff Ireland to be fired for two years before Stephen Ross finally did it. So it's really, you know, he doesn't fire people too quickly. That's
3: not his MO. No, 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 no. Well, let's go ahead and and take a look at the fact that yesterday, really what you were seeing is, and it's going to be a slow play. It's not going to be done in a day, a month, or even a year. Uh, You're starting to see Mike Tannenbaum put his fingerprints on this team because, for the most part, this roster is filled with guys he didn't bring in. I mean, yeah, he's associated with bringing in Dominican Sue, Jordan Phillips, the draft picks last year. When Den- Dennis Hickey were still, was still here, I mean that was a collaborative thing. But a lot of this roster isn't his team, and you always see a GM start to go ahead and put their philosophy through on paper and through the roster with their acquisitions uh, via free agency and the draft. Free agency has have...
0: guys. Just so you know, just very uh, Dr- German Bushrod just signed with the Dolphins. Okay. Just a quick. Okay. Just a quick interruption there. He's signed sure. his contract. I'm seeing it on Twitter. So there's an offensive lineman. There you go. Yeah, another t- a tackle. Okay. He's a tackle. But I, but as I know, this is going to make Keith very happy. Brandon Albert is a dominant guard. So if Brandon yeah, Albert is willing to kick in, yeah, guard, is
4: Brandon Albert, okay with the move? Because I
0: don't Brandon think he would have been. Money. Brandon Albert's yeah, making money. Brandon Albert. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Ads. He's got, he's
3: a making left tackle money regardless.
0: Right, he does, if he's making left tackle money, he'll get in there and play guard. But, yeah. he, but he's, worth, he's worth left tackle money at guard, is the other thing. So yeah, he, know, Jermon Bushrod, that's an interesting case, because a lot of people look towards the Dolphins going with one of two veteran alignments. Jermon Bushrod was one, and Jari Evans was the other. Jari Evans might have been a slightly better fit because he was, um, he's a guard. But Jermon Bushrod gets a bad rap. And, you know, Keith, you know this. The offensive lines in Chicago up until they drafted Kyle Long were, I mean, pretty, pretty abysmal.
3: They were the and, worst. They were worse than yeah, Miami. Yeah, they were the
0: worst. Right. And Jermon Bushrod has been a solid player, very solid player. You know, he was – I believe he was on that New Orleans Saints Super Bowl team. And um, yeah, he was. has just been a good – he's just been a good tackle in the league. And, I mean, depending on the terms – I think those are actually in the tweet. I just kind of wanted to make sure that we got that news out now. Um, and no, the terms were not in the tweet. I saw a lot of hashtags and thought they meant numbers. And sure. um, so yeah, I mean, it, it can't be too it can't be too much of a, a bank breaker on this contract. But it, it's interesting that they're bringing in depth because we all know how much that was an issue on the offensive line.
3: My issue with Jari Evans is that he's enormous. And I mean, like, that was a real model that the Saints had there with their guards. They had guards in there who were just absolute, like, 330-pound guys in there. Just huge guards that they had on that Super Bowl team. And that, that kind of gets away from the mold you see with a lot of NFL teams at the guard position. They want the more mobile guys. They're willing to sacrifice size for mobility. You see that with a lot of guards, especially the ones who get drafted these days. So... Jermon Bushrod was a really good left tackle in Chicago. Started to fall off a little bit there at the end. I think he had injuries, though, and uh, started to lose snaps to um, Charles Leno as a result. But uh, part of that, as I mentioned, uh, Bushrod had uh, some injury struggles at that point. Um, Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's interesting because I mentioned Mike Tannenbaum getting his fingerprints on this roster. You're starting to see Adam Gase, too, a little bit. Because he's getting – I mean, if, they're a, if that offer sheet with uh, C.J. Anderson turns into a contract, then, I mean, that's a Gase guy he had in Denver. He had Bushrod from Chicago. So, I mean, you have these guys that Adam Gase is familiar with. And, I mean, Jermon Bushrod's not going to come in and just flat-out lock it up at the left tackle position if, if, if that's where he plays, and I figure that might be the case. Um or maybe they use him as depth, I don't know. But um, he's not the kind of guy who's just going to come in there like Bryant McKinney in 2002 when he just went on the left side of Minnesota's line and nobody saw the quarterback um, the, like that. You're not going to see that kind of thing. But Jermon Bushrod is, a, like, he's a quality piece. And it also sticks with a, uh, the – go ahead.
0: He, I just wanted to um, get out there. He signed a one-year contract. So that that okay. would indicate that it's it's probably a depth situation, you know. All
3: right, there we are. Maybe
0: coming in, and because he's Jermont Bushrod. The other thing is he's flexible. He's not. He can't only play tackle. In an emergency situation, he could play guard. So it's it's a good. Or guard, maybe he's you know, going to
3: start happen. at guard.
0: Um, could I him. highly doubt they. I I doubt that they would start him at guard personally. I mean, it could happen. Max,
4: they've started Dallas Thomas for three straight years.
0: Well, but Dallas, but, I mean, Thomas the thing. Is a guard. Dallas Thomas is a guard. Yeah, he's not. A uh, the, the
3: thing he's a is guard, he's not mind. a good
0: one, but he's a guard.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, he. That's what I mean. Did, like, if they're willing
4: to do Dallas Thomas, I mean, why not? All right. You know, we say Omar
0: Kelly's uh, a reporter because by title he is a reporter, but that doesn't make him a good one.
3: No boy. Well, I mean, Dallas Thomas was a tackle at Tennessee. He moved over to guard. Was looked at as a guard. I mean, that's the thing you always see with these guys. Like, you know, was a tackle in college. But, I mean, that that hardly applies when you get into the NFL and it's a whole new game. I mean, Bushrod, I mean, the important thing to to note here with Bushrod coming to the Dolphins is we always complain about the fact that Brandon Elbert goes down and you get this sort of musical chairs going on with the offensive line. That's not an issue if Jermon Bushrod's in there. So, I mean, that, that kind of yep. depth is, I mean, there's great value in that. So, I mean, that's that's a nice signing. Great. I'm, I'm cool with that. It's a great, it's a a, great,
0: great signing. great
3: um, so one thing I want to get to though and we'll ask Ian about this too when he, he's on in about 10 minutes uh, but people went nuts about the Byron Maxwell thing when that, that rumor came up the trade rumor started Monday morning uh, and you had people out there I mean the contract he signed with Philadelphia last year is ugly it's not a good deal at all I mean that's your typical Chip Kelly contract but Dolphins circum, circumvented a lot of that crap by bringing him in the way they did. And he officially restructured right before we went on the air. So now you're in a position where if things work out, you could have a pretty good number two cornerback in there. He's not a lockdown number one guy. And I think that people need to understand that this guy's not going to come in and just absolutely just lock down his side of the field. That's not the case, but I mean, he's a really good zone corner. I think that he, um, He compares favorably to a guy like Drake Kirkpatrick, who was a corner Vance Joseph worked with in Cincinnati. Uh, Byron Maxwell reminds me of a lot. It reminds me a lot of Drake Kirkpatrick, actually, Uh, in terms of size, uh, length, uh, their ability to take on the run, uh, their ability to play uh, their ideal zone corners. I mean, they're not really guys that you want turning and finding the football. I think that was a big problem Maxwell had in Philadelphia because they asked him to play press man. Uh, He's got press man eyes and I mean he got some really good jams at the line of scrimmage there I mean he showed the ability to funnel and reroute these guys but and asking him to be able to turn his back to the football got a little bit dicey for Philadelphia only gave up two scores he got his he pretty much got his ass kicked the first uh week of the season he played uh Julio Jones in the Georgia Dome and that was just an absolute just shelling right there after is
0: not the worst the worst cornerback performances I have ever seen, you know, on par with Brent Grimes against Sammy Watkins from this year.
3: <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. It, he didn't get him up another score after, but I mean, he w- it was, I think ranked somewhere in the seventies in terms of cornerbacks uh, via pro football focus. 75th. He, yeah. 75th. There we go. So yeah, my memory serves correct. He's a zone corner though. He's absolutely a zone corner. That's what he did in Seattle. He played in the cover three and the cover four out there looked comfortable there. I mean, at one point was the number two to Richard Sherman, which, I mean, if you're playing opposite Richard Sherman, you're going to get a lot of targets. And I mean, he played well in that NFC championship game against green Bay had, uh, I think at least one interception in that game. Uh, He's a quality piece in a zone coverage scheme. That's what he is. And they're also, they're throwing in Kiko Alonso If he's able to to remain healthy, Uh, he said today, he thinks he's going to play, the Mike linebacker spot, which is um, interesting to some. I mean, he projects best as probably a weak side guy, but he also is, I mean, he's got the, the range uh, needed to play the, the Mike spot. So when I saw that, I saw that on my phone when I was coming home this afternoon, I thought that was interesting that he he suspects, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but he thought that he'd be playing the middle. So if, I mean, if that happens and it works out, uh, the only thing you're really worrying about at that point is health because, I mean, he had he tore his ACL uh, in Buffalo and then he sprained his ACL the same knee uh, with Philadelphia last year. In Philadelphia, their linebacker rotation was an absolute mess, uh, much the way in the same way that they pretty much misused Byron Maxwell. I didn't really see what they were doing with uh uh, Kiko Alonso. Like, I, if you go ahead and yeah. watch that tape from last season, it's really confusing. I have no idea what the hell uh, Philadelphia was uh, doing.
0: They What they would do, it was, it was very, very strange, because the thing that made Kiko Alonso so dominant in Buffalo was his physical ability to cover the field laterally. I mean, you know, the play could be moving away from him and he'd still find a way to catch the ball carrier. And also, one of the things about him, he's not physically such a strong guy. You know, he's not weight room strong. But his kind of strength is that he gets his speed going so much that he can hit guys and stop them in their tracks. The problem is in Philly, they had him kind of playing in the middle of the defense in zone a lot of the time, instead of letting him play attack linebacker. We know that in Jim Schwartz's um, scheme, he loves the linebackers to attack, you know, downhill all the way, go for it. And in this instance, you know, he, Kiko Alonso got to Philly, and you know, like Chip Kelly has done, has said, you know, I think we're going to reutilize this guy. And Bill Davis, the defensive coordinator from last season with the Philadelphia Eagles, ran a worse defense than Kevin Coyle. It was that bad. I mean, I watched that's saying a lot. I, early, it, it, it is, and I watched earlier this week. I went. I watched all 16 games from. I watched, you know, all the games that actually Kiko Alonso played in, which I think were 11 or 12 from last season. He was the only games that he was on the field for the majority of the snaps were the Falcons game, which he had a he had a great performance, and the Patriots game, which was that, that great upset win of theirs. And I mean when you look at the situation, they had him standing up in the middle of the defense. So the problem was he wasn't getting his speed up downhill where he could really hit guys. It was he was kinda getting he was kinda getting bounced back. And he, he struggles in spa, in um traffic is the other thing. And Philadelphia was getting him involved in that and he'll he'll be very good with sue eating up blockers
3: yeah you mentioned uh his the ability the inability to get off blocks in philadelphia i thought that was a great point let's go to the phones real quick uh it's uh zach from new jersey but he's in california zach what's going on
5: hey keith how's it going guys
3: good what's up what's on your mind
5: oh nothing i was just kind of calling in to, to hang out with you guys did you see uh bushrod just signed
3: yeah, we were we were just talking about that. What do you think?
5: Um, I just I mean I, I like it. Depth is good no matter what offensive line. Um I'm not hundred percent sure where they play him. I'm gonna guess guard. I don't know. Um but I've always thought he was more of a tackle to be honest.
3: Yeah. I think that he he's a guy where his fit is left tackle. Uh he was the one where they were trying to throw the finesse tag at him when he was in new Orleans. And it turned out that he was actually a pretty nasty guy over on that side when he wants to be. So, I mean, it's, if it's a one year deal, you look at it as good depth because I mean, in a year where it's a prove it campaign for Ryan Tannehill, you can't have Brandon Elbert going down and having no answer on the left side of the line. That's inexcusable. So
5: yeah, that's definitely a good way to, to look at it. Insurance, that worst case scenario.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see the – I didn't is, – is there a, an actual uh, financial uh, aspect attached to that, or do we just know that it's a year?
5: I just think it's a year as of right now.
3: Okay. Well, well, well the
4: contract okay. details is a one-year deal. I just don't know um, – we just don't know how much the money is yet. Sure.
3: I mean, I'm, I'm sure go. it's
0: not much. I'm sure it's in that three to four range, probably low three, I would guess. All right. Um, it might well, be a uh, little. It might be a little bit more than that, just because usually when a contract materializes this quickly, you know, we we didn't hear too much
3: about it, so it it's but, but usually I mean, a sign that it's usually a sign
5: that the that player suffered shoulder. Yeah,
3: yeah, that yeah. that yeah. is the injury You're, he had, the shoulder. That's right. I couldn't remember. It's definitely the not going to that's and good. Because
0: gonna... if if you look at the Anderson offer sheet, Miami's gonna have a lot of money for him on the books this year if Denver doesn't match. You know, it's gonna be over eleven million. They've got a the way that they're stopping they're gonna theoretically stop Denver is with a six and a half million dollar signing bonus and a five million dollar salary. So it's that that would indicate that you're entirely right that it's gonna be a, a pretty cheap deal, all things considered, for Jermon Bushrod.
3: Real quick, something I want to point out is yeah. uh, people. And it's easy to tear on the Dolphins when it comes to free agency, but I almost feel bad for what's going on with Denver right now. I mean, like I, I mean, granted, Super Bowl champions, so you don't feel that bad for them. But the way that Osweiler thing escalated was pretty bad. Uh, the Malik Jackson deal, I think that that hurts because that guy was a, a, a big piece of Wade Phillips' scheme. So I mean, there. Who is the best quarterback on? Is it Travis Simeon right now? Is there, yeah the
5: guy from Northwestern.
3: Oh lord. So I, I mean, like you just think. I mean, I I heard they're talking to Ryan Fitzpatrick now, and I I mean I get it. You just won the Super Bowl pretty much with a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball, because I mean Peyton Manning through injuries, whatever. So I mean you're confident in that, but I mean you, you lost Malik Jackson, you lost Danny Trevathan to the Chicago Bears. Those are I mean. Bleach Jackson's a bigger piece. I mean, you're able to hang on to Von Miller, but you're gonna have to at some point put him on a new deal, and that deal is gonna cost. It's gonna and you, no team was more upset to see that Olivier Vernon deal yesterday than the Denver Broncos, in my opinion. That was bad.
5: Oh yeah, the OV deal completely, you know, effed up the market for any team trying to re-sign a pass rusher
4: within the next year or two. And he's not even that good. That's the worst part of it. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, he's,
5: he's, not, he's not that money good,
4: but he's definitely he, he's good, Well, he's good, area. but it's like, he's good, but he's not worth a record-breaking deal, which is what he got.
5: Oh, well, no. You know, and that's,
0: that's just <laughs> the Giants panicking, but. So, okay, so. Which um, is can strange. I, which which is strange because I mean like when was the last time that the New York Giants were like this this big team in free agency? I mean, under Tom Coughlin, it wasn't really their it wasn't their thing. So it, it's kind of interesting to see this, this culture change happen almost overnight with this organization.
4: Apparently Ben McAdoo wants to uh use the we're gonna buy our way to victory. But it is okay, watch this. The the Denver Broncos signed a lot of outside sources, right? So essentially, they were big free agent players. They got uh, they got Dumerville, they got Von Miller, they got all these free agents, and they brought them all here in Denver, and they won with Peyton Manning as their quarterback. So Eli, being the jealous little brother that he is, is thinking, "Oh, crap, I got to win another Super Bowl." Uh,
3: well, I mean, Von Miller they drafted. Uh, Demarcus Ware is the one they brought. Oh, they in. did. I, we'll, oh no, it was Doomerville. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get, we'll get more into that, but actually we uh have our special guest on. So, uh we'll go ahead and Nobody get to that. Nobody thought my
4: conspiracy know. theory was funny.
3: No, I thought it was funny. I thought it it was a hoot. Uh well, we're joined now by uh Ian Wharton. He's the Dolphins' feature columnist for Bleacher Report and one of the best football writers around in my opinion. Uh Ian, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight?
6: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh thanks for calling in.
3: Uh I got I want to ask first because this is something I noticed the other day. Uh, In the midst of Dolphins Twitter pretty much burning down on Monday morning over the Maxwell trade rumor, uh, you were one of the few guys on social media saying, hey, this could really work for the Dolphins. Uh, I still sense a lot of hesitance from fans regarding Maxwell. So help me talk them off the ledge. How can this trade become a winner in Miami?
6: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously, Maxwell, he was a lightning rod for, criticism as soon as he signed the the massive contract that he received six years 63 million um, became a target really the moment that that happened I mean everyone knew that he was overpaid but I mean that's free agency I mean as Dolphins fans we know that better than anyone Um, (laughs) but he went to a really bad situation just in terms of one the Eagles kind of imploded um, on both sides of the both sides of the ball they weren't a disaster but You could just tell that, especially defensively, they weren't really maximizing the talent that they had, and uh, that was kind of an issue during the Chip Chip Kelly era. He just couldn't really find a defensive coordinator that could competently put together a a scheme or a defense, uh, despite the massive amount of talent that he actually had uh, to work with. And Maxwell, he's a talented guy. I mean, if you go back to his time with Seattle, he excelled in zone schemes, specifically cover three, cover two concepts that maximizes his length, that maximizes his uh, turn-and-run ability, and it also reduced his responsibility to just really one quarter of the field, one-third of the field, um, and even sometimes in cover two, even less. So Mm -hmm. you just have to play your guys to strengths. And, I mean, as simple as that sounds, a lot of teams, including the Dolphins over the last few years, well, (laughs) maybe even more, have struggled with that. And uh, Philadelphia, they're just kind of in like a let's end the Chip Kelly era as much as we possibly can, and uh, looking to to cut basically as many future obligations as they can as they prepare to give Fletcher Cox a huge contract and uh, some other individuals that are going to need extensions here soon. So Miami swooped in. They moved down five spots in a week draft, uh, a draft where realistically maybe the only – talented player that could fall is Joey Bosa, which, yeah, he's a really, really good player. Um, but Miami probably felt like they weren't going to have a good chance at someone like that. And, I mean, they would know better than us. They just came from a scouting combine uh, where they talked to a whole bunch of teams and got a good pulse for what teams feel about the draft. And so they didn't give up any picks. They dropped five spots, folks. Five spots. It's not not the end of the world. They didn't give up the first-round pick Totally. Um, and to be honest, I'd rather move down five spots than give up a mid-round pick, especially for a team who desperately needs to add depth on both sides of the ball. So I think Maxwell, He can be. he's not a star. You know, he's a pretty good uh, cornerback in the right scheme, which Miami will use. Vance Joseph and the uh, Bengals last year were the second – well, they were the defense that used cover two the second most in the NFL. And that was from uh, – Football focus, so that really fits his scheme, and I think Joseph's going to be bringing that cover three, cover two, uh, heavily to Miami. So Maxwell's a great fit as far as that. His contract is palatable, even though they restructured it, which I wasn't a fan of the restructure, uh, just because that's a they now committed to him for probably two or three years with that restructure. But you know the cap's going up ten to thirteen percent, and realistically, we just saw what Janoris Jenkins just got from the Giants. Byron Maxwell's at least as good as Janoris Jenkins. And <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that, that deal was awful. It's not like Miami gave Janoris Jenkins that contract. So Kiko Alonso, I like him too. I I don't know what he is anymore. He might be good. He might be bad, but I like the, I like the flyer on him. Um, again, it costs you basically nothing to get him. And I are going to get a free look at a guy who has experience in a couple different schemes. And, He's also used to be a, an athletic freak, so if he works out, great. You might have a weak side linebacker of the future, maybe even more. Maybe he can play middle linebacker if Miami moves from there. I don't, I don't think that he can, but um, I think Miami's. You know, they they went out and they added talent to two positions that desperately needed it for basically pennies on the dollar, and they don't equate into the whole comp- compensatory pick formula. So it made a lot of sense to add two potential starters one certain starter uh, basically just to to move down just a couple spots.
3: Speaking of ridiculous contracts, uh, Olivier Vernon, uh, you had that Mm. fake tweet yesterday that came through. And I think it said he was going to the Jaguars for 75.5 million at four years, which I mean, we all laughed. And then the actual contract came through later that afternoon. It's $85 million at five years. And I had to check to make sure that wasn't a fake Twitter handle at first. What, just be honest, what were your exact thoughts when that deal was made official?
6: Well, we knew it was going to be big. Uh, we had been hearing the $15 million as, you know, what he was shooting for. The fact that he got more than that is is really stunning. I mean, it's just a gross overpay. And, and Vernon's a good player. You know, I, I published an article saying that he's going to be a massive free agent bust. But in that article, I didn't want it to be lost. As I said, he's a good functional player. It's just the problem is the expectations and what he needs to produce to justify that contract is is impossible for his skill set. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mario Williams was a heck of a player for the Bills. Um, after he signed that hundred million dollar contract, and people thought he was a bust. And I mean, <laughs> people are going to be stunned when they see Olivier Vernon. He's, again, not a bad player, And, but you know when you invest $85 million into a player, uh, you're expecting him to be a dominant force and that's just not who he is. So I wasn't stunned in terms of, we knew that he was going to get that that type of money somewhere. I'm just kind of surprised uh, that it was the giants. Uh, not, not that they don't have the need. I mean, they invested into an old quarterbacks. So they kind of had to force, you know, some things happen in, in free agency, but um I'm a little bit surprised that someone actually not only met but exceeded his, ac- his asking price, which is – it's just it, – it's a sign of this free agency. I mean, the, the money that's been thrown around has been insane.
3: Yeah, Brock, Brock Osweiler agrees with you. I thought the thing in your article that was a, a really great point, among other things, is that Vernon's a, a, a good second banana, maybe a third banana in in some defenses. But, I mean, he goes to the Giants. He's getting paid like – a Top dog now with that contract.
6: Yeah, I mean, most guaranteed money, uh, most money in the first three years guaranteed ever. Um, I mean, it's you would think that he's JJ J. Watt for the he just got because he got a bigger contract than him technically. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's stunning.
3: So the news comes through today: CJ Anderson uh, reroutes his flight, goes to Miami. Uh, Dolphins would not let him meet with the Bears, and now there's that offer sheet in place, and we're seeing differing differing reports that first came out that uh, Denver's not going to match it. Denver certainly has bigger fish to fry right now, especially we were just talking about their quarterback position and how that pretty much evaporated uh, in the span of about 24 hours. But what did you think of the C.J. Anderson offer sheet and when that news came through today that Miami was making uh, an official push for him?
6: It makes sense. I mean, Gase has worked with him previously. Um, Anderson's been very effective um, in his first two seasons, or in his last two seasons, I should say. Um, he's very efficient. His yards per carry is an excellent mark. Um, he's a clear system fit with Miami. Uh, ran the exact same thing in uh, in Denver, and obviously worked with Adam Gase. So it makes sense. It's someone that they're familiar with. It is a little concerning, though. Uh, first off, you're tying up your money for up to five days. That's a concern to me. Uh, you're eating up your cap space. Whether or not you plan to use it on Bigger Fish is, is kind of irrelevant. It's just I'm not sure that they needed to to make such an offer already on day two of free agency. I would have liked to have seen them try to get other deals done first and then kind of see where they're at. Maybe they felt pressured by other teams, but you know the Bears have two other running backs. I don't think that they were really that – big of a threat to go after CJ Anderson to be their second or third back. So, you know, I, I like Anderson. I, I do hesitate a little bit with him. He's had a lot of lower body injuries, nicks and bruises. Mm-hmm. I don't think those things tend to go away as someone ages. I think they tend to get worse.
7: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: if you're going to offer 4.25 ish million dollars for CJ Anderson, why don't you just offer 6.5 for Loire? You know, if, if we're really counting pennies at that point, um I think that's an issue but you know Lamar Miller I, I just think he was a lot more talented. Anderson's a good black back though. I mean if you put him in a rotation with Jay, Jai, obviously that's what we're facing now to look at. Um unfortunately what happened with Miller's in the past and he's going to he's going to go star for the Texans. But um you know he's a good player. I just I always hesitate with running backs. Um if you're not getting like that star or like that at least very good stud on the upswing it's hard to invest into him. $4 million isn't much, but they're going to make pretty big guarantees to him in the first year to try to get him from the Broncos, and I think that they will end up getting him uh, ultimately eventually. But um, it, it's a little bit of a risky move, and I, I hope it doesn't deter them from taking a day three back somewhere just in case he continues to have those lower body injuries. You think the
3: Dolphins should have upped their offer to Lamar
6: Miller? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's that was a steal. Uh, the Texans, they're going to make a star out of him. They've run the ball the, the most and the fifth most um, under Bill O'Brien, and they probably just upgraded the running back spot. Arian Foster was a tremendous running back, but mm-hmm. obviously he had a lot of injury issues. So I think Miller's going to be a star for them. If the cost was only, like I said, about two to $3 million more per season and when the cap is rising at the rate that it is, I mean, that's, that's really chump change. And I just, you're talking about Miller's a guy without any injury history in the NFL, Um, He's a homegrown player, not necessarily. I don't care that he's from the University of Miami. I care that he was drafted by the organization, developed by the organization. And, uh, you know, it sends a good message to players in the locker room when you reward players like that.
3: I agree. Uh, You mentioned er it earlier, so we'll just get to it. the good stuff in terms of the draft. Miami moves from number eight overall to number 13 overall. Uh, And you have a lot of people looking at the draft with the whole different perspective now in uh, aside from, you mentioned guys falling like a, a Joey Bosa. Vernon Hargraves is a popular uh, mock draft pick to that spot. If you're at 13 and you're the dolphins and you had a top four list of the prospects you might want, most want to take at that spot, especially as free agency is starting to unravel, who would you put who's on your list?
6: Um, you know, this is tough. I like a lot of guys in that range from like seven to, to 15. Um mm-hmm. I actually didn't like where Miami ended up at number eight. I thought that that was uh, not in an advantageous position because it was very unlikely that one of the elite guys would drop. Um, and there's only a couple of elite guys in this class to, to begin with. So, um, you know, sitting there at 13, I would, look, I would look at cornerback. I like William Jackson III out of Houston a lot. He'd be a great fit for, you know, what Vance Joseph wants to do with this defense. Another long cornerback with great speed. Um, probably a guy that you want to sit for a season, so you probably still need to assign a guy like Patrick Robinson to kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins from Louisville. He's very disruptive pass rusher, uh, great athlete, tested tremendously. Um, if he's if he's there at 13, I'd be a little bit surprised, but he's another guy. Continue to beef up that front seven. And then I like defensive end, uh Shaq Lawson from Clemson he's a guy who can step in right away at a Olivier Vernon spot losing Shelby to me was actually the bigger loss over uh over Vernon just because his versatility and the relative cost that they you know chose not to spend was a little bit surprising those are really good value uh for the Atlanta Falcons so Shaq Lawson he's a guy he can step in right away he's not dynamic but he's a really good athlete he needs work uh Miami's a team, obviously, with Cam Wake and Mario Williams now. There's not really going to be a better place for him to learn from his peers. And then also Noah Spence, the defensive end from Eastern Kentucky and formerly of Ohio State. Um, not quite the athlete that, Sha- that uh, Shaq Lawson is, but I think he's a better overall pass rusher, which is perfectly fine because you're able if they're able to add a guy like Robert Ayers, then they can uh, continue to build kind of a deep rotation of pass rushers.
3: You mentioned there's a lot of guys considered at number thirteen overall. Who are some of the players you absolutely wouldn't consider at that spot?
6: Um, yeah, that's a little bit tougher. Um, it, it's hard to know what the board's going to look like, and like I mentioned, there's there's a bunch of players kind of jumbled in together there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really too against anybody off the top of my head. Um, you know, I would. Pr- I don't know, Reggie Ragland I would even like if at middle linebacker if they want to go at the traditional middle linebacker. Uh, I can make a pretty strong argument for a number of guys, and I don't really read too many mock drafts, drafts and stuff, so maybe that's where I'm, uh, you know, maybe drawing a blank from, but um, <laughs> you could certainly see some some, you know, reaches like Eli Apple, the cornerback from Ohio State, or Kevin Dodd, the other defensive end from Clemson. Those guys would be a little bit of a reach there at 14. Those are more probably late first round, second round type players. But like I mentioned, and this class is just, it's so unique. It's more like the 2013 class where you've got a bunch of like good prospects, but not great prospects. And so it kind of makes it a blur. And I think that's going to make a really crazy draft uh, once we get there. in I think late April.
3: I think the last question I have before we turn it over to the panel, because I know Max and Lewis want to ask you a few questions uh, just selfishly. Uh, and really this isn't ultra applicable considering the Dolphins' needs uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but one of my favorite prospects in this draft is Jack Conklin. How do you feel about him?
6: I I was actually really surprised how well he tested physically at the Combine. He tested wonderfully yeah. um, at the Combine. He's So he's a good player. I mean, he's a good blocker. Um, I, I don't think he plays as athletic as he tested, and I'd like to see mm-hmm. him be a little bit less stiff and robotic on the field, but um, that could just be something that maybe outside of Michigan State we'll see more of. Um, he's a pure power guy. He's not really a guy I would consider for a zone. So if Miami plans on changing from a zone scheme to even more of a mixed uh, mixed attack, he could be a consideration. But I think he's a tackle only. And so if you're taking mm-hmm. him in the first round, because he's going to be a first-round guy, um, that's fine. But it does give me a little bit of hesitation because he's probably going to be replacing um Brandon Alber or Juwan James because James can't fit into a power scheme. So I would have major concerns there because that would tell me the team's ready to probably give up on Juwan James or force him into a scheme that he's just not equipped for at all.
3: Well, I hope
6: that doesn't happen.
3: Uh especially cuz I still like Juwan James. I haven't I haven't soured on him on him just yet. Yeah.
6: He's a good player. He he was a good player as a rookie and just last year everything just kind of snowballed on him with injuries, so I agree. I think you got to give him another year or two and kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like
3: him a lot. I liked him a lot at Tennessee. I thought that that pick made a lot of sense. I was still a little bit bitter about not getting a shot at Zach Martin, obviously. And then you see what he's done at right guard for, for Dallas and the fact that he's just been incredible for them. So, I mean, that's been a little bit of a bitter pill, but at the same time, I still like Juwan James. I still think that was a good pick. I hope that it ends up uh paying off, uh, in the long run, uh, in the meantime, uh, anything you guys want to go ahead and start up in terms of, uh, panel questions, you guys can ask, uh, Ian, anything you want. I don't know how long you want to stick around Ian, but, uh, I know that we've got some questions for you.
0: Yeah, I got, <clears throat> I got, um, one, if that's okay. Um, Shoot. so we've, we've been hearing, um, Mackenzie Alexander's name thrown around a lot now that we're down at the number 13 pick. I mean, it's, it's a lot better spot to take him, than Vernon Hargreaves in terms of where the standings are now. But I know you have preferred Alexander, you know, after watching the film to Hargreaves. So I'd love it if you could go into that and what what makes Alexander your preference and how you think he'd fit
6: Miami. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're looking at a vacuum, I think that um, Alexander is a better player, especially moving forward. Hargar- Hargreaves is going to give you more aim- impact right now But I think overall there's a little bit of a limited ceiling with him, just with his uh, size. And and he tested really well at the Combine, which is good. I just don't think he plays that athletic. I don't think he plays overly explosive. Um, He's very much in the mold of Brent Grimes, but he didn't – I just Brent Grimes was an exception to the rule. He was never a guy that you could look at. And and physically he tested worse than any other starting cornerback in the NFL um, as, as far as, like, you know, multi-year starters, so Grimes was really an exception, and I don't think that it's fair to put Hargraves on that, on that level. Um, Hargraves is a good player, though. Um, I would just prefer Mackenzie Alexander. I think he's got quicker feet overall. I think he's a better coverage man and in, in man coverage, and I think that that's a little bit more difficult to find. Hargraves, to me, is just an off-ball cornerback, and those guys generally don't really command much value, um, really in the mold of, like, Brandon Flowers. Um, He's bounced around. He's had a really good career, but ultimately you wouldn't look at him as like a number one corner. Uh, I think Mackenzie Alexander at least has that potential to be like the low end number one corner. Um, He's still super raw. And I don't think he's a fit for the Dolphins because he's really played and primarily only in man coverage. And uh, his lack of interceptions kind of show that. He was only a second year uh, or third year sophomore. So he needs seasoning. He needs some time. I don't think Miami really has that ability. And that's partially why I kind of prefer William Jackson for Miami.
0: Well, that's interesting. And um, one other question really quick. What do you think about the possibility of also, now that we're down at 13, it's kind of a different conversation in terms of which prospects um, in Reggie Ragland.
6: Yeah, Raglan, I, I like him a lot. And if you listen to Vance Joseph's presser, and if you look at what he came from, uh, especially in Cincinnati, Cincinnati doesn't have an athletic linebacker crew. And what he talked about in his press conference is he wants more of a traditional signal caller, um, Mike linebacker, who has experience calling the plays, reading the defense, stacking and shedding, uh, interior lineman getting to the running back at or behind the line of scrimmage, not so much shooting gaps, and that's why Miles Jack to me didn't make sense even at eight, because that's not who Miles Jack is, and and that's not taking that's not to take anything away from Miles Jack, it's just not his strength right now as a player, but that is the strength of Reggie Raglan. Reggie Raglin is your classic throwback linebacker. I think he's more athletic than what some people give him credit for. I think he's a three-down linebacker. You're just not going to use him in man coverage a whole lot. Not that he's a bad athlete, but he's more of an average athlete. And in the NFL, that does make a difference. But Miami's in a, a, a nice position now. With Kiko Alonso, um Jelani Jenkins, um, Neville Hewitt, those are guys who can play on passing downs if you really don't want Raglan on the field in obvious passing downs. And so I think that's going to benefit Miami to have that versatility. I think Raglan would be a much better value at 13 as opposed to eight. And he would walk in right away as your starter for probably the next decade. So if the only question I really have about him um, is actually in regards to his weight. He uh, he showed up to the senior bowl a little heavy. He was in much better shape at the combine. And then he showed up heavy to his pro day. So what's going on there as far as his weight is that a work ethic thing? Is that just his body type, where he has trouble staying in shape, or is it just because it's the off season and, uh, for whatever, Or is he dealing with maybe undisclosed inter, in, uh, injuries that are keeping him from, uh, staying in shape? So there's some questions to be answered there. Overall, I mean, you go back to the tape. The guy's a phenomenal player at, at Alabama. I don't really see any issues with him. Um, he's a low, fairly low upside guy. He's not going to become like. Bobby Wagner or anybody like that but he's still a really good player and I think that he'd be a tremendous addition for Miami
3: Anything else? I do have one question if this is the last question that we're going to have for Ian Um, well, I I don't know I didn't have any sort of set uh, finale so I mean that's purely up to you It's up,
4: it's up to Ian. Does, Ian does Ian have time for one more question or two or three yeah. or what?
6: Yeah, I can do another question, and then I'll probably just make like a prediction for free agency.
4: Okay, then my question for you is simply this. What are your thoughts on all of the reports saying that the GMs are not signing Brent Grimes because of (laughs) you-know-who?
6: Well, I I think I had said this before the season, too. The reason why Brent Grimes was cut was because he's just not that good of a football player anymore. Um, he's a decent player who is trending badly in the wrong direction, and as he continues to lose his footwork and his quickness, he's going to become unplayable. There's going to be a certain point where it's just he doesn't have a trump card, and when you're that small and when you're that not slow, but he is relatively slow for the quarterback position in, in terms of deep speed, when you don't have that trump card and you lose that zip in your, in your feet and you lose that uh, leaping ability a little bit, you know, his size is just not going to last. Now, if he was a better player, the Dolphins were willing to keep him. They offered him a restructure. So the question wasn't necessarily uh, whether or not they cut him because of Miko, but, you know, there will be teams that take him off their board with the, the situation of declining player, player coming off of a rough season, player who has gotten worse each of the last three seasons. And, uh, you know, obviously off the field and locker room issues, those are real. Whether we like it or not, we can't just picture Brent as like this, you know, this guy that just suffers from his wife. He's an active participant. He leaked stuff into the media as well. And I don't think it's a coincidence that guys like Mike Wallace and Brent Grimes and Brandon Gibson, Mike Hart, uh, Brian Hartline, not a coincidence those guys are all gone from Miami in the last two years. Those were your main leakers outside of the Dolphins' locker room, and it wasn't just Miko.
5: <laughs>
6: so, you know, you can't have too many guys like that in the locker room. You can deal with them if they're playing really well, like he was at the time. Um, but, you know, obviously in the last two years, he just he, he was a guy that you could keep on the roster, but it was becoming clearer and clearer uh, throughout 2015, especially, that you know, to me, it wasn't even a question. I, to me, he was always going to get cut just because he just he wasn't earning his contract. So he had to have taken a restructure.
3: Works for me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm happy to be rid of her. I mean, I feel bad for Brent though. Uh,
6: yeah, I mean, and, of... and we can't. Yeah, we can't diminish what he did in 2013, especially. I mean, he was Definitely. a phenomenal cornerback for Miami. Like he, he was something that we haven't seen in a long time from that position, and he really was a dynamic, fantastic player, and it is a shame that he's going to be remembered for his idiot wife. Yeah. Here's, here's,
0: here's one thing. He, I will always have an ax to grind with him for this reason. He was put on the Miami Dolphins' all-time 50 greatest players list over John Denny. There is, that is inexcusable <laughs> in my eyes. I don't know how it can happen, but it happens, and I'm not okay with it.
4: <laughs> Never mind Brock Marion, just like John Denny. Yeah, <laughs>
6: yeah John I, <laughs> I would have gone Brock Marion.
0: More who has been more consistent? Fine, take take Dan Marino off the list and put Brock Marion in there, but at least John Denny gets in. <laughs>
3: we'll we'll find a way to get him in, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. That was that was a little bit baffling when when he was. I mean, don't get me wrong. As Ian mentioned, 2013 really impressive year coming back from that Achilles too. Uh, I think a lot of people were rooting for him and I mean, he came here and did really good things, but it, I couldn't have put it better myself that ultimately he's going to be remembered for a lot of the stuff that his wife did. And that's a shame. That's too bad. Cause you know, he was a talented guy. So, but, uh, we didn't make that happen. She did. So it's not really my problem. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else, or yeah, we can just go ahead and listen to, uh, Ian's prediction for the rest of free agency. If, unless your prediction is that
6: Dolphins Twitter is just going to burn down because we all know that will happen. Um, you know, I, I think Dolphins Twitter will end up being fairly happy with this offseason. Um, uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a good thing that Miami's kind of taken this, um, set your price and let people walk. Um, although yeah, I do yeah. think it cost them a couple players that they probably should have retained, and Shelby and Miller, um, in general though, to unrestricted free agents and not team free agents, they've done a nice job. And yeah, they lost out on some really talented players, but you know, ultimately, that's not how you build your team. You need to set the line, and then you need to draft and and replace the players that you signed this off season in the next couple years. I think that we'll we'll see newly signed. Um, I'll call him offensive lineman. I know he played tackle for the Bears, but Jermon Bushrod, I think he'll probably kick inside the left guard and compete for that job, as well as being a, uh, a very much needed uh, backup to, to Brandon Albert at left tackle. I also wouldn't be surprised if Miami signs right guard Jeff Schwartz. Um, I was told basically if Miami offers him, he'll take it. Um, they're just kind of – I don't know what exactly they're waiting on, but I think with his um, situation, they're they're kind of – able to wait and let the market kind of play out, see what else they're able to bring in. Uh, But I think Jeff Schwartz will probably be a dolphin as well. And then you'll end up seeing a little bit more of a veteran offensive line for the dolphins and also uh, give them some time to work with uh, the younger guards on the roster. I'm with you. you. Go ahead. Sure.
3: I
4: said, Um, Ian, I'm, Ian, I'm with you on the uh, the Jermon Bushrod kick inside the guard thing. I was actually saying that a little bit earlier. However, um, I don't know if you saw it, but apparently Armando put up an article saying that Miami's apparent uh, – the apparent plan at guard is if Bushrod is not the one that does it, that the answer is clearly that they're going to put Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner on a extensive weight training program in hopes that they will become their players.
6: Yeah, I mean I again, I mean I think he'll be in the competition for it. Uh, they'll get they'll get into training camp and they're going to see that um well, one Billy Billy Turner, I'm sorry, not Billy Turner. Jameel Douglas doesn't need weight training help. The guy was like a uh, just a monster in the weight room at Arizona State. Like he said, like, Well, not
4: Douglas. It was Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner.
6: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean even Turner wouldn't really make sense. His his issues are really technical. Um and uh, Turner uh, Thomas, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's got He's got a lot of issues. He has both technical and physical issues. Um, he's
4: not going away.
6: Yeah, I I don't think he will. But, you know, they're they're trying to keep the competition. I think like I mentioned, I I do think that we'll see Bushrod eventually take over that position if they give him the chance. Um it's just in terms of talent, I mean unless that Douglas makes, you know, massive uh technical improvements, which is very possible because the you know, what they were receiving before was not clearly not good as far as coaching. Um I just think that they're going to keep adding depth and keep adding guys that they think that can provide solid depth and at least a starting potential. And then they're just going to let the best guys play out, and and I think that that will be Bushrod eventually. And then they'll let the the young guys kind of grow into their roles for 2017. Let's finish with this. Um,
3: uh, How do you feel about Adam Gase?
6: I like him. I, I like his offensive designs. Um, he demands a lot out of his receivers. He demands a lot out of his running backs. Um, these playmakers will have to prove that they're playmakers and they, you know, I like a lot what he did with Chicago, as far as, um, charting against him with, you know, charting cornerbacks against him. He makes them run the full route tree. Um, he is very good with spacing as far as, um, you know, building a competent scheme that, that creates open receivers quickly when they need to be, and he did that with a very limited cast in Chicago last season. Uh, we saw him with a highly talented team with Denver Broncos, and clearly they had a ton of success as well. Um, their offense not only regressed as far as um, Peyton Manning's health, but also, I think, in terms of creativity and, and consistency once Gase left there as well. So... Yeah, I think he's a good mind. He's in for a big challenge just because Miami, um, obviously he's taking on offensive play calls and head coaching. That's a that's a big responsibility. But I think he was the right hire. He was a guy a lot of people around the NFL spoke highly about, uh, not only players but agents and fellow coaches. So uh, there's definitely a reason for optimism, and there's going to be some growing pains along the way. But I, I think he's the guy to get the most out of Ryan Tannehill, which is really what matters. I, love it. I have I'm one days. more
4: question. I have one more question for you, Ian. Yeah. What What do you think ultimately happens with CJ Anderson? Does he go back to Denver or does he come to Miami?
6: Um. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of split there. I'm gonna guess he comes to Miami, uh, just because if the Broncos do end up getting Colin Kaepernick, as it's been kind of rumored, um, mm-hmm. I I don't think that they're gonna to want to spend on a running back. They can they can bring back Ronnie Hillman. That organization's had a lot of success with late round running backs, such as DJ Anderson. Um, you know, and, and same for undrafted guys. So I don't think that they're going to spend on him, especially with a big first year cap hit. I think Miami's willing to take um, and eat up. It's going to eat up a significant portion, I think, of their the rest of their uh, cap space if they get him. But it'll be a, it'll be nice though after year one. After if Miami does get Anderson, I just don't think that Denver's going to want to pay that.
3: Well, oh, we really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, thanks for taking time out from your busy schedule. I know that this is an insane time of year, especially this week for you. So appreciate getting your insight, and uh, it was really good talking with you.
6: Uh, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, as always, uh, look forward to, to our next time.
3: All right. Yeah, hope to have you on soon. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll move on to uh, – our uh, next segment. I want to mention that that was Ian Wharton. He's a Dolphins feature columnist with uh, Bleacher Report. Uh, love a lot of his football articles. His Olivier Vernon write up was uh, excellent. So um, you can uh, follow him. I think it's a NFL Film Study at. So yep. uh, yeah, uh, he's got a ton of followers. So um, he's a popular guy out there. Uh, love getting that insight. Um, so. Especially just – I don't think the Dolphins will draft Jack Conklin, but he's definitely one of my favorite players, so I wanted to get his take on that. We can go ahead and – we just pushed back uh, Matthew Kanata's appearance to 930 Eastern. So um, this has kind of been just like a ragtag show anyway. We've got all this news coming in. We've got all these different discussions coming on. So it's not the most organized thing, but that can be cool once in a while. Uh, One thing I want to ask you guys, though, is – C.J. Anderson, like, I mean, what do you think? I mean, a day removed from letting Lamar Miller walk, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm – uh, was that me?
0: Yeah, you can go for it. Oh,
4: I I, I heard we said the same thing, so I thought it was, like, this weird echo.
3: No, no. No,
0: you're good.
4: No, okay. All right. Um, my feelings towards the whole C.J. Anderson thing, I mean – I would have again I would have preferred Lamar. I don't have a problem with CJ Anderson. I think that if we had to let go of Lamar, I would have, I'm very happy to, to potentially get CJ Anderson. I mean, he's obviously talented. He absolutely gutted the the Dolphins in 2014, then he went on and continued on doing good things in 2015. So, there's obviously something good there. He's um he's been described to me by people as a um he's a he's a shorter overall stockier a little bit slower but more powerful version of Lamar Miller and for that i'm and considering that he's going to be making if he signs with Miami he's going to be making 2 million less annually with the dolphins and so that's already that's already a bargain at least in my eyes so that's already a good thing going there the other thing is is that if we had to if having CJ Anderson now CJ Anderson is somebody who is a power back he's somebody who's he can bruise he's not going to he's not going to outrun anybody but he can he can break tackles which is something that it seems that nobody's been able to do in Miami ever since what was it like Ricky Williams finally showed up so first if the dolphins do get CJ Anderson I will be a very happy camper it's going to it 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 lessens the sting of Lamar Miller leaving and the fact that it's so cheap and um, I don't know this for sure, but I've been told this way. So correct me if I'm wrong, please. But since that, since uh, CJ Anderson was not an unrestricted free agent, he was actually an RFA. He does not, he does not count against the dolphins compensatory picks does correct. Uh,
0: Yes. Yes. I believe you're correct. But I mean, on, on the signing. It's a $2 million a year difference between C.J. Anderson and Lamar Miller. And I can't say that if given that decision that I'm taking C.J. Anderson in such an uncertain way as well. I mean, you know, for for Adam Gase, you know, we all look at the situation and say, oh, we're bringing back Lamar Miller. As far as Adam Gase is concerned... Lamar Miller is a free agent off the street. He's never, you know, no one on the coaching staff except for Rizzy has worked with him, and Rizzy barely works with him because Lamar Miller doesn't play special teams. But it's a situation where we're looking at it as fans saying, oh, bring back our guys, bring back our guys. But in reality, it's just a free agent choice for him. He, he's, he's just a free agent. And C.J. Anderson is like his guy that he developed. You know, I, it doesn't really matter in my mind who the organization developed because a different organization developed Lamar Miller. You know, they might've been called the Miami dolphins, but front top to bottom outside of Steven Ross and Chris Greer, that's a different, that's an entirely different thing. And so it's, I still believe that Lamar Miller is the more talented player. I don't think many people would refute that. Mm -hmm. And for that money, for the difference, I would have preferred to keep Lamar Miller but, I mean, that's all of us speaking as people who follow the Miami Dolphins and want to bring him back. It, for Adam Gase, you know, bringing in Lamar Miller is like bringing in Matt Forte. Like, it's a guy you've watched film on, but you've never worked with. Well, Matt Forte, I actually picked the wrong example because he did work with Matt Forte. It's like bringing in Chris Ivory. You know, a player who he's watched film on, he's seen examples of, but it's not – it's not someone who it really matters necessarily to him to bring back. Is Zach still here?
5: Yo. I'm still here. I'm hanging in. I'm looking for the McKenzie Alexander uh, giraffe
4: legs at the moment.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does look like a baby giraffe when he's taking on the run. That's uh, we, we just That analogy to that never. Better.
0: That analogy I man. love scouting terms. I love scouting terms. Baby
3: it was, giraffe. Yeah. That, it was a baby. It was one of the first games I watched because um, when it came to the point where we were seriously considering cornerbacks, it was clear that we were going to do that in this draft. I decided I was going to sit down and just watch all these guys instead of just, i had seen a couple of Florida games this year. I wasn't as uh, heavily vested in the overall scouting as I usually am outside of um, a couple of positions. And it's usually I'll watch the offensive lines and then um, linebackers uh, sometimes I'm more, I've always been more of an offense guy. I'm just better at scouting that, that um, side of the ball for some reason. Um, but so I decided that I wanted to look at these guys and, one, I sat down and watched Mackenzie Alexander. I saw there was one where he was getting ready to take on a ball carrier. And it, yeah, he was almost shuffling. He looked like just some sort of like baby draft, baby deer, whatever. But even the way he was moving his legs, it, it was just playing very high. And I was like, what is he doing?
0: Yeah. And the other so, the other great scouting term, one of the other favorites, since you scout offensive line, this has got to be one of your favorites the dancing bears. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's always a great one. I love that.
3: Yeah, I like the dancing bear. Which refers bears, to if people
0: don't know, which which if people don't know refers to the the more mobile offensive linemen. Like you heard it thrown around a couple of weeks ago at the combine about Laramie Tunsell. You know, we're, we're not talking about the bigger. We're not talking about the the bigger, heavier guys. We're talking about the guys who are light on their feet, who could be more like pulling guards or you know, agile tackles.
3: He was a dancing bear. He was awesome. I. Looks like a it's tight end. Yeah. It's easy to lose sight of how well this offensive line class performed at the combine. But I mean, you heard Ian mention, uh, Jack Conklin, Jack Conklin ran like a champ. Uh, and I think his weight was like three Oh eight, which is pretty impressive for, I mean, probably cut a little bit of that because I think he played at about three twenty some at Michigan state. So it came in lighter, ran well, Ronnie Stanley I've, I've mentioned time and time again, how much I love him as a, as a prospect. I think he's absolutely going to Baltimore though. And I re- I mean that's just my guess. I'm just I'm just a speculator with a microphone right now. But after losing uh Collegio Semoli in free agency and they were talking about how they were gonna consider him as a left tackle anyway, you gave Joe Flacco that extension. I mean, you gotta do something. So
5: Yeah, I, I didn't agree with Ian either. Um but I didn't want to interrupt his his uh time on um, sure. Conklin looking slow. Because if you go back and watch Homesales versus Indiana, there's there's this point where this, uh, I think they run a three, four, so it was an outside linebacker is blitzing. He jumps the snap like he's offside about like a mile and a half. And Conklin still waits till the snap happens, and he still catches him and rides him all the way back through the pocket. And they complete like a 13-yard pass.
3: I just so, have a soft spot for, for m- mean big nasty big 10 tackles and I mean really offensive lineman as a whole but I mean the, I so that's why I mean like I love Jake Long for that reason uh Jack Conklin I think uh, Jack Conklin strikes me I mean obviously a far more mobile guy than than Jake Long could ever hope to be uh we've, I, we've got Matthew Cannata in about 15 minutes so uh we're getting some calls I want to go ahead and take those I don't want any of those to go unchecked let's go to Columbia South Carolina caller you are on the air
8: hey uh, how y'all guys
3: doing this evening Doing good. How are you doing?
8: Not bad, not bad. This is Tony calling in. Um, Oh, hey, Tony. Hey, fellas. Um, I just wanted to echo your guys' thoughts in regards to what Miami has done so far in free agency. Um, The only thing I was disappointed with, pretty much like y'all guys, was losing Lamar Miller. Um, Right. I thought Miami could have stepped up uh, and got him signed. Um, But as far as losing Olivier Vernon, I mean, you, you see the numbers, and, you know, this guy's getting paid, I think, a million less than a and Sue, or maybe a little more than that. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's a four-time all-pro player getting paid the type of money that Sue is getting paid, and the New York Giants are paying uh, a, a guy that's, you know, hadn't made a Pro Bowl, he's been a, a good player, but he hadn't been a Pro Bowl player, that type of money. And to me, that that doesn't make a a bit of sense, and, and it just reeks of desperation on Jerry Reese's part. And I know y'all guys mentioned Tom Coughlin. And if I'm Tom Coughlin, I'm sitting back saying, y'all never, y'all just been like this for me my last few years. And obviously, I lost my job. The the Giants felt like I was the only thing that was wrong with this program. But uh, uh, obviously, like y'all guys said, the change in philosophy, um, and and I, and I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I mean, obviously you know, the Dolphins have spent and, you know, the, the criticism has been there and, and now they're being financially, you know, responsible and trying to be smart and not overpay for, for guys and they're getting criticized for it. So it, it almost feels like Miami is in a no-win situation in regards to what they do here. And um, um, there were a couple of players like y'all guys had mentioned that I was like, I would have liked to have him, you know, uh <laughs> Alex Boone comes to mind, I thought. Because, you know, you, you read that they were close to getting him and they thought it was a done deal and that it, it didn't happen. Um, William Hayes was a guy that they were interested in and, and uh honestly, you know, they weren't able to get him. So there, there have been a couple guys you wish they would have got. But, um, you know, they're taking some chances on some kids that are young, have talent, but have um some injury history. Uh, I think uh the cornerback that's coming in, Josh Robinson, I think he fits under that uh that criteria he's got talent uh but um, there's been some injury history with him uh obviously, you got to throw kiko uh under that that scenario as well in the trade, although I mean, with Kiko, I mean nine hundred thousand plus dollars I mean you take a chance on Kiko, especially when you know what he did when he was healthy, I mean he was an impact player, so um deciding a bushrod is is interesting, um in regards to what Miami looked to do. I get, my question for y'all guys is, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, I heard y'all mention Jeff Schwartz, and I, I certainly hope they do make an offer to him. I mean, uh, the guard position has is, is been a bugaboo for Miami now for the last three, four, five years. Um, there's also a, a, a guard that got released by Denver. I think, it's, is it Vasquez? Yeah, yeah. it was Vasquez. Well, you think y'all guys think the Dolphins will look to, to possibly look at him as well down the line? Or do you think, well, Schwartz might be the only one that they go they go after here on out? Well,
0: well, I haven't, from the team, I haven't heard any names. I mean, Schwartz is the most logical guy. Vasquez would probably be a little bit more expensive. Um, when What I've heard, and it, it, it's very interesting because at this time of year, you do hear contradicting things from different people, Armando... Uh, Salguero just published an article saying that the team might be done shopping in free agency. That is not what I have heard. Um, I've heard that the team will probably target another offensive lineman before the draft and and try to really beef up that unit a little bit. You know, go with the approach of bringing in a few guys. They brought in two depth players today. Bring in you know another guy like Schwartz, who's probably who would be a starter, but you know, bring in those guys who might not be super high end in terms of price. And mm-hmm. um, that—that's the goal that I have heard from the team. But you know, I—I Armando's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to know what to look to do in this case.
8: Well, don't they have? Uh, is it Jason Jones that's coming in tomorrow? The defensive yeah. lineman. Okay. And yeah, Detroit. Jason, uh, okay. Um Josh Robinson is coming in. Um, do you think there's a possibility that Miami still might look at Patrick Robinson? Yeah,
0: no, I do. probably. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't I, know. I mean, if they're bringing in Josh, if they're bringing in Josh Robinson. You know, you're, you're actually right. I'm gonna flip flop on that because I, I think you're right, Keith. I make it conditional, one, though. and they're not in a rush to sign. They're well, they're not in a rush to sign right now because we're in the second yeah. wave. You know, it's not, it's not Wednesday at 4 p.m. You know, Josh Robinson isn't the guy who's going to fly off the market. So, you know, if his medical isn't exactly exactly what they want, they might bring in Patrick Robinson and, you know, wait until – you know, the NFL is not like our jobs where we stop – well, I guess I do work with the league – but where where you stop on Saturday and Sunday. You know, in the league, they're still having visits on Saturday and Sunday. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they could work through the weekend. They could have one of the guys, you know, if they don't love the medical – On Josh Robinson, they could have Patrick Robinson in in a couple hours. Mm -hmm. And they could check him out. I I think I'm never opposed to the team bringing in a guy for a visit, and I don't think the team is opposed to it either. You know, we've Mm -hmm. seen that. They've taken flyers on a lot of guys. That's what I've heard. You know, we heard yesterday the initial report about 45 minutes before the New York Jets made an official signing, Matt Forte. We heard, oh, Dolphins and Jets. The Dolphins' interest, based on what I've heard, was not, you know, Offering a contract-type interest, it was let's gauge where he's at based on conversations with a with his agent or, you know, based on that. Like it's there's varying levels of interest that all get reported under the general umbrella of interest. So I think the team mm-hmm. could be could could show some interest in both both Robinson, and it'll just be interesting to see what happens at that position.
3: I know I would I would but I think it's a conditional thing. I mean that's why like I mean unless something unless something happens where Robin comes in and just Robinson comes in and just astound or excuse me, Josh Robinson comes out comes in and astounds them. I think that uh Max hit it on the head. They're gonna they're gonna look at these guys, they're gonna examine them, they're gonna give it time. I think the days of this team uh where they had that whole thing where if they're going to Miami, they're signing that whole stigma. Mm-hmm. And uh I think we've for the most part seen the end of that. I know a lot of people have uh, been confused by the fact that you've got the team visiting with these guys. And, yeah, they definitely hard-line their price with, with Boone. Uh, don't I mean, Pac-Man Jones got a healthy deal. What is it, three years, twenty four million eight a year, something like that? So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's he got Yeah, he got, he got
0: a very, very nice yeah. deal. And, you know, the thing with Pac-Man, his agent wanted to probably uh, – when you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're keeping him in an environment, because the Bengals are the place that he's had the most stability in his career by far. You know, you don't want to give a lot of guaranteed money to a guy like Pac-Man Jones if
3: you're sending him with millions of dollars into South Beach. But oh, Which, is, which is a Cincinnati- terrible scenario, by the way. That's a great point. Right, right,
0: Exactly. I thought the same thing about Janoris Jenkins. You know, you've got to consider it. You know, all of these guys. It's In Miami, out of any city in the United States, you know, pre- Miami is a place where it can bring out the vices. So it's Mm -hmm. not somewhere where you want to throw a guy like Janoris Jenkins or, you know, Adam Pacman Jones in with tens of millions of dollars and say, hey, go to town. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a situation where I'm saying I think he would make a mistake, but there's much more, there's a higher comfort level with giving him guaranteed money in Cincinnati and just saying, hey, keep doing what you're doing.
8: You know, yeah, there's no.
0: Exactly. Th- he's just got to. He's just got to keep on whatever program he's on right now because while he has some mistakes on the field and on social media, he's not. You know, he's not finding himself in handcuffs anymore. So he I think been good. he's got to make
3: This has been a good free agency period, though, for the most part. I and I get accused of living in the bubble for saying that, but looking at the corner market. What making that move for Maxwell and Alonzo, you could do so much worse. And as Ian brought up, I mean, they were technically on the cusp anyway, sitting at eight in the draft, and they're going to go back to 13. Chances are the picks between eight and 13 are all going to be defense. Because, I mean, you look at the Bucs, they're going to probably take defense. You see uh, the Giants at 10 are going to take defense. Um, Well, uh, we think they're going to take – I still think they need to polish that thing off. Um, Bears likely take defense. Um, and then you got New Orleans at twelve, and New Orleans has no defense, so um, okay. well, it's, it's yeah, it's an interesting place to drop back to, and it's uh, but I mean, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter, and a, a lot of people argue with this, but it's honestly, I think the way that the Dolphins are approaching this, uh, there's a lot of guys you can't consider at eight if you're really looking at value. You can't really consider Reggie Raglan at, at eight, even though we mentioned it. Uh, you can't consider some of the corners, uh, Eli Apple, William Jackson, at eight, that's a little bit rich. You know, it's like when the Raiders wanted to take DJ Hayden at three, and then Jeff Ireland was like, hey, eh, you know, hey, I've got this number 12 pick, do you want it? So, um, but if you go back to 13 now, there are guys where you can make that. I mean, you can take Reggie Raglan and I don't think too many people are going to say boo about it. Uh, you can you can take William Jackson's the best zone corner in this draft. It's not even it's not even up for debate at this point. And his ball skills are sick too. So I mean, he's the kind of guy where if you want to bring him in and you want to make him your defensive stud out on the perimeter, go nuts, dude. Um, there's just a lot of guys in here where at 13, I mean, it's wide open, and you're not really. It's not like all of the great players were picked off the top of the pile, and now you're just sifting through the crap. I mean, now you're at a place where things can fit you. Value-wise, I mean, the money's right.
8: Well, Ian mentioned a other- guy that that caught my interest, um, and m- m- I'm always of the thought that if you want to disrupt great quarterbacks, you get pressure up the middle. Mm-hmm. And Jenkins kid from Louisville – could be that type of defensive tackle that's disruptive and can get pressure inside. And he intrigues me at 13 now that Miami is at 13. I like the Racklin pick, but the Rankin pick, uh, it, it, it gets my attention as well because I think uh, the way you get to a Brady, the way you get to a Rodgers, you really get to them is you get pressure right up in their face and force those guys out to your Mario Williams and your Cam Wakes. Uh, so he's a guy that I like a lot, uh, like y'all guys have been talking. Raglin is a guy that, that, you know, is that possible guy in the middle that, you know, Vance Joseph likes, and I, I like him a lot here as well. Um, I'll I ask y'all guys one last question, and I'll get off the phone because I know you got, um, you got Matt coming up here soon, and you got somebody else on the line. Um, Paul Solai has said he would like to come back to Miami. And obviously, I think Miami could get him on a cheap deal, but I still think Paul has got some juice in him, and he could be an inside run stuffer. Have y'all guys heard anything about Paul possibly coming back to Miami? Well, I have heard uh, anything.
0: I have, a, I have a I have a personal vested interest in this. Um, of all the people, my dad my dad doesn't follow football too closely. He follows the Dolphins. He's a fan, but he loves Paul Soli. So I have, any particular I been, reason? Uh he um a few years ago in a in a somewhat misguided decision that I might have played an impulsive role in, he bought a Paul Soliai jersey. So mm-hmm. um, he and I roll into Sunlight Stadium in Paul Soliai and John Denny jerseys, which is a pretty eclectic combination. But um it's a different organization top to bottom. Same thing I, I had said about Lamar Miller. You know, it's not like the team remembers Paul Solei because it wasn't really anyone there. They'll refer to Chris Greer or I mean Rizzy. Darren Rizzi is the he he was retained, so it it would make sense. But the market for Paul Soliai is not going to be red hot right now. He's the kind of guy who you could wait until maybe you know you could wait a while on guys like that. You could wait until the last week of March and bring in guys. I mean, we we forget when we're in the the when we're in the moment in this free agent frenzy, we forget. You know, we signed Brent Grimes late. We sign some of these guys don't come in right at the start of free agency. It takes some time, so there are guys who can get signed in June after the draft. It all it just entirely depends. So it's
4: that's it's exactly what I wanted. Guys. That's what I okay. want Miami to do. I want Miami to wait a while and see what happens after June 1st because obviously teams are going to start. They're gonna. They are going to. Um, they're because, going uh, to. They're gonna cut guys that are too expensive or whatever, and then they're gonna to have to and then the Miami Dolphins can see what they can get out of that. If Miami can get some decent veterans um from June first cuts, then all of those players that Miami signs, they won't count towards the compensatory pick. And if this really is Miami's plan, like I wrote about and I really hope that I'm right that this is their plan, then Miami will have really made an excellent move. For the future as well as the present, and that's what I'm really hoping happens.
6: Hey, Tony. uh,
3: We appreciate you calling in. We're going to have Matthew calling in in a second here, but uh, definitely give us a call back on our next show. We always like hearing hearing back from you. I think you called into Lewis's show on Tuesday.
2: I did. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, definitely give us a call. We always hear from.
0: Thanks for having me on, guys. It was great talking to you.
3: I'd love to live in South Carolina. That's a place where if I move out of this pool, South Carolina's on the map for me. So, I mean, it's a, it's a real possibility. Just saying. Steve, did, you see uh, that? We got, did you
5: see that tweet that I just sent you? Uh,
3: no. What is it? Let me look.
5: Um, from, the, who was it? David Hyde, um, the Sun Sentinel guy. Supposedly Kiko Alonzo, $2.5 million a year for two years.
3: I saw that. Am I still breaking up? Or can you hear me now?
0: Wait,
8: hear wait, 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 huh? Better.
4: Wait a second.
0: Yeah, they've extended. In the Byron Maxwell, I can I can take lead on this really quick. Yep. In the in the Byron Maxwell conversation, they they didn't want to have a situation where, let's say, Kiko Alonso. You know, we saw it with Doug Martin, he tears his ACL and he struggles his first year, and then la- this past year was one year one year in between where he he struggled in that first season coming off the ACL. The second season, he was back to form. For Kiko Alonso, let's say he's back to form this year and he's a dominant linebacker again. Miami doesn't want to have to pay him instantly after giving up the eighth overall pick, moving down to 13. So, you know, $2.5 million is a very, very, very fair price to pay for Kiko Alonso to take the risk. I can't confirm this this Hyde report, it, it's a little bit random. He, like, it, It's it's just a little bit sudden, but it's it makes sense for the team. I don't know that it makes sense for Kiko, but it, it's a very good move for the, for the team.
3: We will go now. Uh, that's Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, we can talk about this more now with our, I like calling him FinCider Insider. I don't even know if he likes it, but I don't care. I'm going to call him at that anyway. Uh, Matthew canada, welcome <laughs> to the show. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, doing good. What's up? We're talking Kiko Alonso gets a deal.
7: Yeah, uh, that just came out. I, I put a tweet out about it from David Hyde. It looks like uh, $2.5 million a year for a total of two years, total contract of $5 million. What funny um, timing, though. It's weird, right? It's almost like he almost made a mistake, like he was putting that in a private message, and it came out as a tweet. It's, it's a little yeah, language,
0: uh, the language was the language was what like made it strange to me. It wasn't like you know, the Miami Dolphins have, and it, it was right. literally like, Kiko Alonso's contract is two years, and we're all just like, no, yeah. it's not. It's one year, but, but,
4: <laughs> and it's not even a million. yeah, it's, it's nine hundred thousand or some
7: little change, a little bit after that. So Wah, that's, a little, that's a little puzzling. Well, who was just
4: talking? Well, was that inter- inter- you
7: just explaining the contract?
0: Well, it's interesting because isn't there a rule? that you're not allowed to renegotiate at a certain point on the rookie deals because like the whole Um, point of the CBA is that players can't hold out and demand. Oh, okay. You know what? I can actually answer my own question. You can extend. We saw with Russell Wilson after the third season, that's when you're eligible to extend. Okay.
7: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very
4: interesting deal. how, How long has Jarvis Landry been playing? Is this his third year? The team. Yeah. He'll be team. entering his third year. Yeah. Okay, so we need to extend him like as soon like on 2017. Well, the first order of business is extend Jarvis Landry.
0: Well, listen, that's what the Sue restructure took in mind because Sue's big spike now. How it was the 2016 season, it's now the 2019 season, which means that you know they can give Jarvis Landry, or it might be 2018. Either way, it allows them to give Jarvis Landry next off season a big signing bonus and get that element of the contract out of the way if they choose to extend him then. Yay for planning ahead.
3: So Donna
0: Ponte is great. Donna Ponte yeah. is great with the contract.
3: Um, which is weird because then you'll see people people complaining about her on the internet and I never really understand that. You know who is.
0: heard Stephen Ross are a little misguided. The complaints about her or the complaints about Stephen Ross are a little bit misguided.
3: Yeah, and I just I thought, tweet, now that I totally agree with said the impact that Alonzo and Maxwell can have on this team. Yeah, uh, it could work out. Um, so, Wednesday kind of, I, I wouldn't call it a brutal day because I what came out of it. Obviously, Boone doesn't sign. Um, we don't know what happened there. Uh, Pac-Man stays. I do. Probably not the worst thing. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's why you're here. So, uh, go ahead and tell us what's up.
7: So here's what happened with Boone. The Dolphins had their, their sights set on him, and I tweeted out that pretty much it was a done deal. And he actually had a flight scheduled to Miami, uh, kind of like C.J. Anderson had a flight scheduled to the Chicago. Uh, the Vikings called him, and they offered him a deal. The Dolphins had a set price on Alex Boone. And when they heard the Vikings offer to him or the Vikings' parameters of the deal, they weren't going up into that range, and you saw the contract that he got. The thing with Miami this offseason and so far through free agency, you've seen the money being thrown around. It's absolutely ridiculous uh, what some of these players are getting. But the Dolphins, you've got to give them credit. They've been very, very disciplined. They've identified these players, they've identified their price range, and they're not budging from it. Um, that's why Prince Kamara is probably not coming to Miami. I had said last night that you know it's very possible they've set their sights on him. I said this morning that his price range might be too high for the Dolphins. After they looked into it a little bit, they realized yes, his price range is too high. He wanted something about 25 million over a few years. Uh, so he's really trying to get that money out of the market, and it's no surprise. Uh, I think it's him that's going to the Jaguars tonight or tomorrow, because they they yep. have just obviously a ton of money. And then the other guy uh, was Pacman Jones, who they did show interest in. And I had tweeted that along with Boone that Pac-Man to Miami looked like it was happening. And then the next day came, and as many people have pointed out on Twitter tonight, free agency changes in the blink of an eye. If you have oh, a deal yeah. with somebody, you know another team finds out about it and they swoop in, they give you a better deal, they give you a better offer, and you know it just comes starts becoming a bidding war for a 33 year old cornerback who, who's had a few good seasons. Sure, absolutely, but for a 33 year old cornerback who's who has issues off the field and you got to kind of worry about him a little bit. The dolphins did not want to go into that price range for him either. So Pacman and boom, they looked like they were coming to Miami. Um, and they didn't because of the price. There's nothing else about it. Some people might've said that the Dolphins missed on him, that he missed on them, that they chose, you know, another, the Vikings and the, and the Bengals over the dolphins. But that's really not the case. The case is that the dolphins were disciplined enough not to jump into a bidding war with these teams and stay at their price that they had identified. Um, the same thing can be said, oh, man, who is that? I just lost my train of thought for a second here, um, and mm-hmm. I'm going to forget it, and I can't remember what I was going to talk about. But, um, yeah, with I have a whole list here. With Packerman and Boone, that was the case there. Now, at the cornerback position, they have Maxwell, and you saw the post from Barry Jackson just a short while ago. Um, I don't really believe the Dolphins when they say that they're just going to keep Billy Turner and Dallas Thomas at guard. I think Adam Gates is much smarter than that. At the same time, there are not really many options out there. I mean, who do you have? You have Evan Mathis, who's injured still and considering retirement. People are saying Jeff Schwartz. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's on Twitter a lot, and he's a, he's a fun guy. But, I mean, when's the last time he finished a full season? So he's taking a huge risk with Schwartz. You got Louis Vasquez from the Denver Broncos. He's he's average but he's not gonna step in. I don't think he could be any better than Billy Turner. And then you got Zane Beatles, uh, who was released from the Jaguars, I believe. Uh he thrived not thrived, but he played pretty well under Adam Gates in Denver. So he gives a possibility for the Dolphins. This is nothing that I've heard internally but, you know, just connecting the dots there and, and them trying to bring him in. You saw Bushrod being signed tonight and the plans for him is to kick him inside the guard and you know that could work if you bring it if you let Jamil Douglas, Billy Turner and Dallas Thomas compete at right guard. Or left guard, or and put Bushrod in at left guard or right guard, you can have a decent line there with Albert and James on the bookend. But I mean, you still got there's tons of questions on a, that offensive line. What makes it complicated is that I was told the Dolphins plan to address cornerback in the draft within the first two rounds. So you got what with the Dolphins range at number thirteen, let's say in the first round. You got someone like Vernon Hargreaves who's five ten, and Maxwell put out a little hint today in his in his conference call. That's that said Vance Joseph likes tall press corners. Vernon uh, Hargraves is not tall. He's five foot ten, And his actual height is probably a little less than that. So I don't <laughs> really know. I know the Dolphins like him, but I don't really know if they're going to get him. You know, there's that old saying that Bill Parcells made, if you make one exception, you're making quite a few exceptions, and pretty, pretty soon you have a whole roster full of exceptions. So the Dolphins really need to stick to the guns there. As far as the other cornerbacks go, I've heard they like Eli Apple, but he could be had in the second round. Mackenzie Alexander, I know there's been talk about him maybe slipping into the first round, uh, so we'll have to see about that. But I was told the Dolphins do plan to address the cornerback position in the first two rounds of the draft. So it's possible they can come out of that with the number one corner, even though rookie cornerbacks typically struggle their first year or two in the NFL. Uh, if you don't pick a cornerback, you have so many options. You could pick a defensive line, but I, they're signing probably going to sign Jones on Friday when he comes in for a visit, which is tomorrow. Uh, they're going to put him in rotation with Cameron Wake on. On that side, let Mario do his thing on the other side. If they could also draft somebody and rotate him with Mario, maybe a Shaq Lawson there with the number 13 pick. Um, I know they're doing the research on Noah Spence. Uh, there's questions about him off the field, but that's also a possibility for them. And then you could also pick a linebacker. you got Reggie Ragland, who might be there at 13, although I heard the Lions are very much in love with him and tore the Giants, so you might either make it to Miami. Uh, Miles Shaq may have been the stated.
3: What was that? <laughs> I said, stay away, Giants. Yeah, right.
7: Um, Miles Jack maybe would have been played with that number eight pick. Uh, he may have fallen a little bit. The Dolphins may have been in position to trade up for him. But the problem with him, man, he's a pure outside linebacker, right? Some people say he can play on the inside, but you got Jelani Jenkins. Now the Dolphins' brass isn't really too high on him right now in this particular defense, but you can get away with Jenkins playing in that linebacker position for one more year. So uh, Miles Jack wouldn't be a huge need. I particularly love Jalen Ramsey, but the chances of Dolphins getting him are pretty much slim to none. They are bringing Josh Robinson in for a visit tomorrow from the Minnesota Vikings. A deal may get done with that, but you're still looking at Maxwell as your number one cornerback. And that's kind of scary, especially when you got, say you got Josh Robinson behind him. Maybe you draft a rookie, but then you got Bryce McCain, not Bryce McCain, Bobby McCain, and then Tony Lippett, uh, Jamar Taylor, possibly if they keep him. So lots of things to watch over the next few weeks. And then leading up to the draft, I do want to touch on Mario Williams. Um, I did report uh, when he made his visit to Miami that he was seeking ten million dollars a year, and then uh, that's why he went to Miami. So they have no income tax. The mutual, the interest was mutual, obviously, but at first Mario was using the Dolphins to try to drive up the price tag in New York to go back up to New York and say they have no income tax. They're offering these seven to eight million dollars. Uh, what can you do for me? The Giants, I heard, didn't even meet with him once they heard his asking price. So he went back down to Miami, signed for the seven to $8 million, which is probably equivalent to $10 million on in Florida. But big props to the Dolphins' brass for getting that deal done before free agency because if he had waited one more day to get that deal done, you see the numbers being thrown around, he probably would have cost quite a, uh, a few million more dollars per year. Uh, I talked about Prince of Mucumera, correct? Yes, he is way too expensive for the Dolphins right now. They have searched elsewhere. I talked about the cornerback. Let's talk about C.J. Anderson for a second. He was in San Francisco visiting the 49ers. He was on a plane to Chicago. We we're about to get on a plane, and the Dolphins called and told him to stop, stay there. They learned their lessons from the Lael Collins fiasco. where They let him go to Dallas first, and then he never made it out of Dallas. Uh, because Lael Collins, as I've mentioned plenty of times, did have a flight to Miami booked and ready to go and signed the contract with Miami. And, geez, that would have been nice him playing guard right now. But I talked to somebody in Davy today uh, just a few hours ago, and he said they are very confident the Broncos will not match the contract, the offer sheet for C.J. Adams. And obviously the Broncos can restructure some contracts and move things around to make it happen, so it's all still fluid. But as of this time, this particular source is very confident that the Broncos will not match the offer. So we'll have to wait and see and, and what happens with that.
3: Man, their quarterback position is is something the that Broncos, you'll get. The Broncos,
7: isn't it ridiculous?
3: It is it is so, so much worse than, I mean, you, and you're like, ah, you lost Brock Osweiler. He was probably your guy. And you look at their, what they yeah. have there. And, I mean, I I don't like Denver. I mean, I certainly appreciate the fact that they knocked out the Patriots. Um, one of the few AFC teams that I don't despise. But that's yeah. that's rough. And I want to get back to your point. You mentioned tall press corners. uh So you're looking, it's interesting because William Jackson III, Ian Wharton mentioned him. Uh, is I think he's about six foot, the best zone corner in this draft, probably a guy who makes total sense for Vance Joseph. Yeah. Eli Apple yeah. is a better run defender, not as pure right. a zone corner type fit, but all he's a big dude. He's almost six one. So yeah, I'm liking they're how this is, this is lining up right now.
7: Yeah, they're definitely going to the more physical and weaker cornerbacks. And you kind of saw that, and I have mentioned this plenty of times you've seen that with the draft last year. You kind of saw Tannenbaum picking players for Philbin, but also picking players for the future. Because, I mean, let's face it, he had an idea. The Dolphins actually had planned out scenarios in which the Dolphins made the playoffs, but Joe Philbin still would, would end up getting fired from the team. So Tannenbaum, you know, his hands were tied. He came into February. And yeah, you can hire a coach uh, in February, but really with a full off season and getting your staff in place, you saw how long it took Adam Gates and others to fill their staff quite a few weeks. It would have just been a rush to get things done. Um, Steven Ross, obviously, was a fan of Philbin. I've mentioned before that he wanted to keep Philbin the rest of the season after London, but Tannenbaum got involved and made things happen a lot quicker. Um, so going back to my point, Tannenbaum and Chris Gere are both Phil Parsells disciples. They are both uh, big fans of big, tall, physical cornerbacks. You saw Brent Grimes get released, but honestly, uh, that was more to do with his lovely wife than it was to do with him. I think they would have made it work with Brent. Uh Probably Jamar Taylor is on his way out. They love Tony Lippett. They think he can have a lot of potential if he gets right and uh, gets his fundamentals down. And then it's also possible that Michael Thomas can move to cornerback once again, as he's done in the past. So, I mean, you don't have superstars at cornerback position, but you're getting a guy in Maxwell who thrives in his own in Seattle. You might be getting Josh Robinson, who didn't play all that bad last year in Minnesota. And then if you're looking at drafting a cornerback in the first two rounds, he can jump in and play a little slot or even on the outside and rotate in uh, throughout the game and whatnot.
3: And that's what they were looking at with Pac-Man, right? Because, I mean, that's the team came on. And I was, I found that interesting that a lot of people were saying that they were looking at Pac-Man as a, zone, as, as a slot corner. Because I know that he, yeah. he did occasionally in Cincinnati, but I was like, he's also guy yeah, you can use out on the perimeter. So it's kind of interesting that fit.
7: Right, and they do want to get Bobby McCain some competition. And obviously, bringing in Pacman, uh, he's going to get the starting job. I, haven't, I haven't, didn't hear any specifics about what they were going to bring him in for. I know Armando Zagiro, I think, tweeted out earlier today they were looking at him as a slot corner, like he just mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess that would also make sense as to why they didn't get into a bidding war for Pacman. If he was going to be their number one corner, they could have easily matched that contract. But... Listen, I'm not I'm not upset at all the dolphins lost on a Pacman. I'm not upset that they didn't get into a bidding war. The dude has serious off issues. I know he's gotten better in the past, but him in Miami, just a bad combination. You're always gonna be wondering what he's going to be doing next.
3: Well you know what pissed me off the most? It wasn't even the, the wild card game against Pittsburgh where he he lost it at the end. It was the first game of the season against Oakland when he went after Amari Cooper. I don't know if people right. remember that, but it it was just barbaric what he did in that game, and I was just like, this guy's yeah, he's, just he's such a jack off. What are you doing?
7: He's, he's a team-a-dirty so, player, and the Dolphins are trying to move away from that. Uh, they did flirt with him to see if the price was right, but ultimately
3: didn't get into a bidding war with anybody else. I don't I don't have a problem with him mining that. I mean, like you have to see what it's worth, and uh, I mean, if anything, now we got a decent fit or a decent feel for what these guys are are going to do on the defensive perimeter, which is kind of exciting because up until now, right. we've been looking at all corners and thinking like, well, you know, I'm going to go with a hard race type or are you looking for the bigger press guys? Or what are we doing here? So, yeah, they definitely is, are moving towards the bigger it, guys.
7: And that's why I'm kind of thought uh, Earl Mitchell is still on the team,
4: but I know they want sure. to move on. I know why Earl Mitchell is still on the team. <laughs> why? I, like, okay. Uh, M- Mario Williams said um I think it was in his introductory press conference no it was a conference call right he did he talked in his conference call about how Earl Mitchell was one of the biggest reasons why he he was he came to Miami like Earl Mitchell helped um recruit him to Miami that's and what could you imagine if the dolphins immediately turned around and sent Earl Mitchell packing like that's going to make Mario Williams very happy like do we really yeah. want to risk making him mad now
3: all right. Good point. Yeah, I mean, I get that that part of it. And, I mean, I honestly, I like the way free agency is going. I like the fact that these guys aren't off-season spending champs anymore. I got tired of hearing that. And one thing I also want to mention, uh, Matthew, while you're on, you mentioned the uh, the fluid nature of, of free agency. I saw oh, a, lot of insane. People, a lot of people coming after you on Wednesday, which I thought was total BS because, I mean, you're out there yeah. trying to help. I mean like you're right. you're one of the few guys out there who actually has some some you're actually privy to some of the things that are going on here. So but I mean it changes yeah. and I mean and I don't
7: I don't wanna yeah, I don't wanna beat my own chest. Um but they'll always come after you for what you get wrong. But what they didn't mention was I had Mario Williams asking price before anybody else, even national reporters. I had what the Dolphins wanted to give me before anybody else, even national reporters. I had the Philadelphia Dolphins swap of the real trade, just swapping the ones before anybody else, before any national reporter. Um I had the deal left the field firing, you know. Um so yeah, I've met absolutely everybody misses. Every NFL reporter out there missed on Olivia Vernon to the Jaguars. It's just I mean look at C J Anderson. He was scheduled to fly to the Bears and the Dolphins called and told him not to go. So
0: Well yeah they got so I mean get, everyone you... got Adam Shep Adam Schefter got chapsed on that one. That's that's <laughs> oh, that, pretty that funny was... that it got Oh no, oh, not really? That was I was talking brutal. about that. Um,
7: yeah, he did get shots, but I'm just referring to everybody had Vernon going to the Jaguars, regardless. Um, because all signs did oh, find yeah, him oh, going yeah. to the Jaguars, and the Giants swooped in at the last minute and offered him a deal that he could not refuse.
3: Well, here's the interesting so thing both, with uh, that. And, and to your point about it being fluid, I read yesterday that the Jets tried to get it at the eleventh hour and steal for him, Vernon. Yeah,
7: yeah. So, which is insane
3: know, because he doesn't even fit their scheme. So, if they're getting involved, I'm like, the last thing I want to do is use that guy in a 3 4. Unless you're sitting right by an agent or with an executive
7: of a team, you're not going to get all the facts and all the information right. You can get some of it, but so much changes. I mean, look at uh, was it, Ayers? Yeah, he canceled the visit with the Dolphins, went to the Jaguars. Now, if he had gotten out of the Bucks and got to Miami tomorrow, there's a very good chance Miami would have signed him. Uh, they've been making a hard push for defensive end who can stop the run. So very fluid. Uh, One person privately DM'd me and said that he talks to Adam Schefter sometimes, and there was literally one time where Adam Schefter told him that something was happening. 20 minutes later, Schefter tweeted out something completely different with that player uh, just because so much changed so quickly. It all changes in a blink of an eye. And you know, It looked like the Dolphins were landing with Pacman and Boone and and even Nakamura, but the price tag just got way too high for them.
0: I mean, yeah, we were all talking at once. I know Matt Matt and I text about this stuff, and we were saying, I mean, we both kind of, in a funny way, at the same time texted each other, hey, the Alex Boone, Alex Boone looks like it's happening, and Pac-Man seems pretty close. And we yeah. kind of both had that at the same time. And then, you know, of course, things change. It's free agency. I mean, it's every anything can happen. It's... it's the craziest time of year I mean at the NFL draft we all kind of have an idea of what's happening coming up free agency is by far the craziest time of year if you're following the league in this regard and things change and these teams aren't these teams don't go in with as strong of a plan as we all make it out to be you know they don't go in with a list of like oh we're going to sign one two three and that's it you know it's Let's see how the market shakes out. Okay, we'll make a preliminary call to this guy. We'll talk to this guy. A lot of teams start their efforts a little bit early. The tampering period is a little bit of a joke, but as we saw with Sue, but it's um, who Matt did have. Matt had Sue before the national reporters on Sunday, like afternoon. You know, it got picked up pretty heavily late on Sunday night. It was confirmed Monday morning, but Matt had it Sunday midday, late day. So, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic when you put something out there and you're wrong. But people <laughs> like Matt and I aren't, you know, we don't work for the Palm Beach Post or the Miami Herald. We're just trying to get you guys tidbits of information when we can. And sometimes they even end up being wrong. Even though even though we do have more sources than Hallmark Kelly, I will say that. Well, yeah, I mean, because the numbers – well, I mean, now that Brent got cut, the number one is yeah. – Larger than he, he
7: has, he has nobody, and just one
0: one other thing
7: that's Max, right? Max is talking. I don't know what your voice, is. yes, sir. Yeah, so what Max yeah. is saying with just the fluid nature of free agency teams will pop up at the last second because they don't want to show their hands uh, to other teams of what they might be doing and give teams other teams time to prepare. The Vikings had set their target on uh, Alex Boone once uh, Osimelli went to the Raiders, um, he obviously was the number one target, but. The Dolphins really had didn't really have much of an idea that the Vikings were going to make such a strong push for him. And even uh, with Olivia Vernon, everything pointed to the Jaguars. Uh they had some idea the Giants were interested, but they had no idea the Giants were that interested in them. And then the Giants came really strong and Vernon didn't even talk to the Jaguars, uh went straight to New York. Yeah, yeah. the other thing is we, have to think,
0: we we have yeah. to think. These these Agents and team sources have a reason for talking to us, too. If they want right. something to get out, they're going to tell people. Right. It's, if they don't want it to get out, you know, some organizations, the Miami Dolphins, were were a ship with a lot of leaks for many years. But as, as you know, we've all seen, Mike Tannenbaum, when he gained full control this offseason, is really tightening up the ship. He doesn't want yep. information to get out. He doesn't want people talking to reporters, you know, sources have disappeared, gotten quiet. It it's a different atmosphere and it's they want everything to run in that in that more constructive way where it's not, you know, people working against each other within the organization. You know, while we all look at Miami's front office as a bit of a clown show because there's so many people trying to do a job that for most teams is done by one or two guys. It's um they're really they're really trying to have a collaborative effort, and one of Mike Tannenbaum's biggest emphasizing, one of the points he emphasizes the most with that is discretion. In and here's the, crazy, here, here's the
7: crazy thing.
0: Um, I have one guy inside
7: the building that I talk to uh, who gives me quite a bit of information, especially during a season, of course. I have uh, three or four other guys who are the middle men who talk to, well, I don't know who they talk to, but what I have also found is that team officials are leaking bad information out purposely to these guys to see what yep. they run with it and to throw off other people. So, I mean, there's been a lot that I haven't reported on. I've with Max back and forth, and we've talked about various things. Should, it, should we tweet it or not? Uh, should we keep it to ourselves? You know, if I can't confirm it with another source, and, and this has happened plenty of times over the past few days, where I would get information from one guy, go to the other guy and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Have you heard it? And he'll say, I have no clue what the hell you're talking about. So we've seen team you officials know, uh, purposely leaking bad info to others to kind of throw off uh, the game out there and social media and whatnot.
0: Yeah, it's happened with us. I mean, we've, we've been texting about stuff and I've said, Hey, like I just heard this and you're like, I've talked to four people in the last 20 minutes and have not heard a single word about that. And that's when right. I say, okay, like, let's take a step back and really think about this. Cause we, because talking to these people is very different. Matt Matt speaks to them a lot more than I do by, being, by virtue of just being busy and being in school. Matt has work. It's like the, for beat writers, they talk to them all day. That's not what we do. So when we right. get these tidbits of information, it's a very it's a delicate balance. And because I said th- I said the same thing. I came I came out with Pac Man and Alex Boone and ended up being wrong. And so it's it's very interesting exactly what. Matt said to see what the team is leaking because they want to leak, and what you're getting because a source is is telling you something, legitimately.
3: Well, Matthew, really appreciate you coming on. We appreciate everything you do, and uh, uh, hope that you can continue to come on the show and uh, give us that <laughs> that cutting edge rumor and news that uh, I think a lot of people tune in the show just to hear that. So we appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll got talk it. to you next week. You
7: great. All right, give me a follow on Twitter right, at Insider F I N S. All right.
3: right, Take care, guys. See yeah. ya. Yeah, he's a great follow on Twitter. I do. We got about three minutes left, and I think one more caller. So, does I want to go to Orlando? Uh, I know who it I is. I think it's Orlando, Orlando, Florida. You're on the air.
2: Hello, buddy. Hey, Uh, nothing much. Just want to say um, I'm pretty happy with the way free agency is turning out. I hear a lot of chatter about people not liking photos. they don't like to drop to uh, thirteen or whatnot. But I actually like it um, because we get three chances to roll the dice instead of one. But yeah. you know, and all it costed us was five spots, and I really wasn't liking anyone at eight anyway, so.
3: It definitely works out. I mean, I like the guys back anyway. Um, I just want to mention that we've got about a minute and 18 seconds left on this, so I don't want it to cut you off, just, you know. um,
2: One name I wanted to throw out there is... Um, is there anything about maybe possibly looking towards Antonio Cromartie as a last resort option?
3: Pass. <laughs> I, I can do better. Yeah, I, no, no. A lot of teams. I,
0: he's, based on what, based on what I've heard, he's he's very far apart from where teams are in terms of his value. And right now, you know, the Dolphins' right. main goal, where they're sitting in the draft, they can take a corner they're not in a desperate position where they have to, you know, make a slam dunk signing at the position. So they don't need to, they don't need to shuffle around on Antonio Picardi, who's well past his prime. You know, he's had his best years playing in San Diego when he was younger than playing across from Darrell Rivas, which makes, which is, you know, makes your life a little bit easier. So it's, it's a very interesting situation with him, but right now he's very apart, from, very far apart from teams on his value.
3: Thank you, everybody. Ian Wharton. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys next. you. Uh-huh. Alright.